the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. All right, so uh, Mile 22 is next weekend. Thank you for reminding me about that. that. That's coming up next Mm -hmm. weekend. That's about uh, Mark Wahlberg and uh, the lady from Walking Dead. Okay. She's in that along with uh, Ronda Rousey. Ronda Rousey. Mm Mm-hmm. And they're a, an elite CIA team that's okay. so secret, they don't even know they exist. And so they're bringing back a political person mm-hmm. from Southeast Asia, and they got to go from one point to the airport, which 22 is 22 miles. miles. Gotcha. So, and it looks like it's going to be action-packed. Mm-hmm. Now, is it going to be good? I can't tell you. Is it going to be action-packed? It definitely will And that will should be, be the reason why you should go and, see yeah, the film. And that's the only reason. You, you should not be going to see that movie for the acting. Exactly. So Maggie is in this movie, mm-hmm. okay, from The Walking Dead. Okay. She's, she's in, I forget what her name is, but she's in it as well. The other one, and, and this is one that both I and uh, Zach are waiting for, and that is... Uh, peppermint mm-hmm. which looks really good yes it did i mean for the first time i saw the trailer i forgot which movie i went to go see but whenever that trailer came up and i saw it i was like wow this could be a pretty good movie you know? well this you know for whatever reason jennifer garner mm-hmm. shed her alias skin for some reason yeah and i don't know why because that's why she was popular. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's where everybody loved her was in uh, was in Alias. Mm-hmm. So now she's coming back again. It'll be September seventh is the time that I've got for it being released. So that's another one for me to watch, and that's going to be another one if you want to see a movie right for action. Mm-hmm. They're calling it the female John Wick. Yeah, I mean that's what they're calling it. Mm-hmm. So anyway, it'd be interesting. Now this weekend. Because you're sitting there going, Dave, I don't care about next weekend. I got to take my wife out to a movie and a dinner. I've got to go out and, uh, you know, and, and keep her entertained. Mm-hmm. What should we go see? Well, there's a, you know, there's a couple of movies that are out there mm-hmm. that are out uh, this weekend. One is The Meg. Yep. Jason Stratum. By the way, uh, you know, I... Um, Went to see the movie for the main reason. At the first time when I saw he was in it, I wanted to see it. Mm-hmm. I like the guy. I think he he's got a, he's got that special quality that makes him a a, a great movie star. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to say that he's a great actor. It's not. He does all right. Right. Okay. He does all right. His his best acting job was in Crank. Okay. <laughs> Okay, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Uh, do you remember that movie? Yes, I do. Okay, it was a crazy. <laughs> it was one of those British comedies that was hilarious. Mm-hmm. I mean, it really was. Did you see that, Russ? Crank. Oh, you have got. If go on Netflix, I don't know if Netflix still has it or not. I don't think so. But if it does, 
you've got to see the movie. Jesus, Steve. It's the most politically incorrect action <laughs> movie you'll ever see. But it's fun. My wife even laughed at it. Mm-hmm. And my wife doesn't like movies like that, yeah. so to speak, because there's some really just in-your-face moments mm-hmm. in that movie. But I just thought it was just original. Yeah, I like him in The Mechanic as well. Oh, yeah, mm-hmm. the, the first one. Yeah. Uh, although I did like the one where he put the hole in the bottom of oh, the swimming pool. Oh, my goodness gracious. <laughs> you talking about... Oh my goodness! You know, there's 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 action heroes. They don't have to act. look. Charles Bronson mm-hmm. couldn't hardly act his way out of a paper bag. Yeah, all right. But his movies were just entertaining. <laughs> my favorite Charles Bronson movie for my whole life has been Mister Maje- um, uh, Majestics. Okay, which was a great movie. Mm-hmm. You gotta see that. That's if you I haven't to, seen that, I haven't you should watch it. it. Mm-hmm. I think that's probably late seventies, early eighties. Uh, it's a fun movie, and and you know Bronson was an action hero. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's the guy who did the original Death Wish, Wish yep. and then what, two, three, four, five? I think maybe it was. He did like I see five of them. Three. So he did three of them. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mr. Maj, nineteen seventy four. There you go. Mm-hmm. Okay, that was a good movie. Yeah, seventy five percent by Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, it was a good good flick. So uh, if you ever get a chance to watch it, watch it, okay. catch it. I mean, the, there's a lot of movies over the years, you know, that have just been good. I mean, look, we, I work with Matt Smith to do the classic movie. Yeah. And so there's certain movies we show over and over again mm-hmm. because people like those movies. They exactly. like Gone with the Wind. Or Die Hard. All right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Die Hard is another one that gets shown a lot. But – you know, we show we we're going to show that again. We're going to show Casablanca again next mm-hmm. year. People love that movie, and yeah. I'm not going to sit and argue with people that why do you go see Casablanca when I showed you Blow Up, you know, <laughs> by Fellini, and you didn't hardly three of you showed up for it. Yeah, because it's a great movie. Mm-hmm. It's one of the first movies for Vanessa Redgrave, and it was a great flick. But uh, you know, three people showed up. You know why? Because nobody had heard about it didn't remember it from the 60s yeah it's good i went and saw i sat and watched it again it's a great murder mystery it's Mm -hmm. really really good if you've ever seen the john travolta movie and karen allen movie blowout okay did you see that movie i have not okay same premise Mm -hmm. it was it was this movie blow up remade okay what it was it was a, it was an all right movie it did okay on the on the remake cool probably more people like the blow out than like blow up mm-hmm. because everybody knows who john travolta and karen allen are all right all right so um next year i'm i'm really waffling next year about for uh, our horror movie and in, in for halloween okay because I have found that we can show I spit on your grave. Hmm. And I'm thinking about doing it. Okay. Okay. However, it's another one of those movies. I don't know how many people will come and see it. Because right. Pro- there's, there's a cult audience for that movie. Mm-hmm. There'd be a lot more people that would like it if they came out to see it. Is it a brutal movie? Yeah. Pretty doggone brutal. But good movie. Okay. So anyway... I digressed a little bit there, but uh, Zach is sitting in here for the first half hour with me because um, Matt 
is over at Atlantis in the Bahamas on a family vacation right cool. now. I, he sent me a picture yesterday. I told him, you better send me this picture. He went uh, deep sea diving. Okay. Okay. Now, he, he's got all of his qualifications to go diving, mm-hmm. but this is where you put on the heavy shoes and they put the, the bell helmet on you and stuff, mm-hmm. and they drop you over the side and you go to the bottom. You, you can walk around on the bottom of the, awesome. of, of the ocean. Mm-hmm. So he sent me a Let's see if I can find a picture for you. That's pretty cool. He sent me a picture of it today. Yeah, it looked funny because I liked his hashtags. <laughs> his hashtags were hilarious. See if I can find it. I don't know if I can find it quickly enough. you got to look and find it here. Let's see. There's the gallery. Where's my pictures here? All right, where'd you go? Yeah, can't find it fast enough. I'm not going to sit here about people <laughs> sit and wait, uh, but... If I uh, I find it, I'll send it to Elizabeth. Elizabeth will post it. So if I can see it, it's pretty cool. I think it says uh, hashtag not Disney and hashtag not a cruise. Yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> he, he doesn't like cruises. He flies to where he's going. He don't like cruises. So, And I'm not a big fan of cruises. Me neither. I've been on one. Mm-hmm. And that was enough for me. You know, I mean... What I look at, what is there to do on a cruise except look at water, maybe go on a, you know, you get out off the ship wherever you disembark at for a while, eat, mm-hmm. play slot machines if you like gambling, which I don't like slot machines and stuff, and then seeing the, the performance in the evening. The rest of the time, it's like I walked and walked. Yeah. And walked and walked some more. Seen the same people for a few hours. Or, matter of fact, longer. For several days. For too long. Yeah, it was. So, anyway, I've, I've gone on one. I'm not going on it. Well, I, I take that back. I've gone on two. I forgot that I went on to one through the uh, Panama Canal. That <laughs> was worth going on. I enjoyed that. Mm-hmm. And I went to Colombia and came up the other side of Central America. And, uh, you know, went to Cabo Wobble and all that. So I enjoyed that. Cool. With all that said, you went and saw a movie that's opening, is opened last night. It's got a unique, a uh, couple unique things going for it. First of all, it's uh, a new movie from mm-hmm. Spike Lee. Yep. And whether you like his messaging or not, you cannot deny the fact that he puts together a pretty doggone uh, good narrative. Yes, he does. On the movie. Uh, Denzel Washington's son mm-hmm. is starring in this movie. What's his name? David. David. David uh, something Washington. Okay. Mm-hmm. And you say that he's really good. Oh, he's very good. Okay. Definitely. Mm-hmm. This is a. It's a. It's based on a very a very true story and mm-hmm. a very weird story. Right. It's about a black police chief. Is that right? Well, he's a, actually he's a rookie, basically. Oh, a rookie. Okay. You know, and from the jump, he's aggressive. And what he wants to do, he doesn't want to work in the records, you know, room. He doesn't want to do that the entire time. So he's basically just decides to go to the chief and want to, he wants to take, um, you know, just want to go forward, do something else. And, and this was his way of moving up the ladder. Okay. Mm -hmm. And this, uh, this is when the police departments were making the changes in a lot of the overt racism mm-hmm. that existed within a lot of police departments right. in america and we're slowly uh integrating black mm-hmm. officers uh 
we weren't doing Chicanos yet. It was basically black officers yeah. that were being brought in. Um, and what city is this taking place in? Colorado Springs. All right. Mm-hmm. Which is kind of an interesting place exactly. to place a movie mm-hmm. in. So give us the synopsis of what's going down. Well, the synopsis is basically, you know, as a rookie, you know, he's a detective and, you know, he takes on this case of going undercover. First part, you know, he's going undercover to uh, for this leader of the Black Panther movement, you know, because, you know, he's promoting violence. You know, they don't want that. They want, you know, black people and white people to basically be together peacefully. So this guy, he goes undercover. That's his first mission. Then the second mission is what the movie is really about. You know, his his partner, which is a Jewish man, Jewish white man, Adam he, Driver. Adam Driver. He Kylo goes under, Ren. Yeah, <laughs> Kylo Ren. He goes undercover as Ron Stallworth, and he has to play that part. And then you know, Ron Stallworth from the police department. You know, he's talking to um, Duke. Uh, what's his name? David Duke. David Duke. You know, he's talking to him. He's trying but, to break into white supremacy. Exactly. Groups. Now mm-hmm. let's just you know, it, it would have been blazing saddles all over again mm. if he showed up at a clan meeting yeah okay so the basis of the story is that he gets himself in mm-hmm. by sending adam driver right pretending to be, be him, him. Mm-hmm. and then reporting back to him what he's finding out exactly that's it mm-hmm. and um i mean it's just a it's a very good movie i mean it's not a comedy, but you know you get plenty, you get plenty of laughs from it. I mean, everyone in the movie theater enjoyed it, and you just it's it's basically it's a timely movie because of all the race of the racial overtones, all mm-hmm. the themes being you know used in the film. So it's it's very good. Okay, mm-hmm. and remember that Zach and I are of the opinion if you go to a movie and you're entertained, mm-hmm. it's worth going to see. I will let you know if you're an you're an, a trumper. <laughs> you won't like the underlying message that mm-hmm. Spike Lee is trying exactly. to communicate. If the KKK had someone in the president's office, that's who it would be. Yeah. That's what they're trying to say. Right. Okay. Mm-hmm. But other than that, I think I just think the storyline is interesting. Oh, it is because I mean you gotta, a black a black officer yeah. just calls mm-hmm. David Duke and David Duke wants to bring him into the to the clan. Yep. He knows he can't show up and talk to David Duke, mm-hmm. so he gets a white Jewish officer <laughs> who the Klan doesn't like either, right? And has him go in and join the Klan and uh, do undercover work and report on exactly. what he's finding. And this is a Jewish officer who does, like I said, he never grew up as basically as a Jewish man. He never went to any bar, bar How do you pronounce bar it? He never did any of that. He was never linked to his Jewish heritage. He was just a white man. And but now, you know, in that position that he's currently in, it's like, man, wow, this entire time I've been someone totally different. You know, I've been living my life as two different people and right. I got to make I got to do something. I got to make a change. OK, quickly. One to ten. Give me your rating. Oh, I give that eight point five. All right. Eight point five. Moving me. might want to look into it's over mm-hmm. at Riverdale 10. All right. Let's take a break. We'll come back. Zach and I talk. I'm going to talk about the movie I saw last night. The Meg, a 75-foot big Megalodon shark, and it's eating everything in its path. All right, back with you. I only have a few minutes here. we got about five minutes to the bottom of the hour. The Meg. The Meg mm-hmm. is just what it sounds like. 
It's a heck of a lot better than Sharknado, okay? I'm just telling you that. You might remember a movie several years back called Deep Blue. Okay. Remember where they were working on weaponized sharks? Do you remember that? I remember a movie called Deep Blue Sea. But not yeah, Deep well, Blue. maybe that's what it was, Deep okay. Blue Sea. I'm trying to think uh, the black actor that was in it. Uh, LL Cool J? Yeah, he was in it. There was somebody else that was yeah, in that, it. Yeah, you're talking about Deep Blue Sea. Okay. Mm-hmm. So anyway. Yeah, Samuel L. Jackson okay, was sure. in it. Mm-hmm. Okay. Him too. When you watch that movie, it was really a tongue-in-cheek kind of movie. Yeah. All right. That's what this is. Now, on a much bigger scale. Right. There's a lot of money behind this movie to make it. The guy who's directing it is the guy who did uh, National Treasure and okay. some other movies mm-hmm. like that. It moves quickly. It's mm-hmm. a lot of action. Mm-hmm. I think you you really like it. But you can't go in and sit in in this movie and go, you know, uh, pick away at the script or or look at it and say, well, well why did they do that? Because it's that kind of movie. Well, I don't guess from the trailer, you know, when Jason Statham says – it's megalodon. The way he says yeah. it, it's like it's goofy and it's like it's 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 corny. It's like okay, you basically this is what the movie is going it's, to be about. It's the best way I can put it. It's a high end B movie. Mm-hmm. All right, yeah, with pretty good sized named actors right in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, the guy from Fear of the Walking Dead is in it. Mm-hmm. And, uh, is it Rain Wilson? Is that how he? I don't he watch pronounce it. Pronounces that, yeah, Rain Wilson. I think he plays like an Elon Musk, okay, guy with more money than he knows what to do with, and he's been financing this underwater big uh, uh, aquarium. They usually how you know, it goes. Thing, you know, some going of them, on. Yeah, yeah. You got the guy with a lot of money, mm-hmm. but uh, I mean, there's some great lines in it, and the, and and the movie's fun. Yeah, it's just plain fun. There's some jump scares. You'll jump out of your seat sometimes. I just don't get why people lose sight of the the point of going to the movies. It's to be entertained for two hours. Yeah, that's it. And you get entertained. It's it it's gonna it clocks in just under two, mm-hmm. and it's a fun movie. Now, I want you to watch that movie and see what Matt and I have been talking about. Okay, about how big the Chinese market is mm-hmm. and how they're marketing movies to China now. Yeah. Because uh, China plays a part in this movie, mm-hmm. and there's a lot of Asian people in it. I mean, a lot of Asian people in it. Yeah, I mean the big the big fight scene at the end between these the small crew <laughs> and the, the the big shark that's seventy five feet long or whatever is over in uh, Thailand. Okay, it's a it's a great movie. Yeah, eight point five. Mm-hmm. You can do worse if you want action. This movie's the one for you to go see. Seriously, mm-hmm. it's the one for you to go see. Just sit back, enjoy it, chuckle at it, and definitely you can laugh at a few of the lines that are in it, like he, when uh, this uh, Rain Wilson character says, we need to put a tracker on it so we can follow it. And they all look at him kind of like, what? And he goes, don't you people watch Shark Week? <laughs> I had the, That was a great, great oh my line. Goodness. It's just a great line. And that's... That's how seriously it takes itself. Yeah. All right. It's just for you to eat your popcorn, drink your soda, and watch the movie. Mm-hmm. That's what it's for. So you enjoyed yours. Yours is called what? Black Klansman. Okay. Black Klansman. Mm-hmm. Mine is called The Meg. Mm-hmm. Uh, by the way, notice the uh, the Chinese lady that plays 
uh, with uh, Statham. She's showing off in this movie her English. Okay. She was in Kong and didn't didn't speak very much. Now right. she speaks a lot, mm-hmm. and she's going to be a big star because she's quite the martial artist. All right, let's get to the news. When we come back, Jeff Sessions in a speech he gave. All right, back with you, Dave Ellswick Show. Uh, Jeff Sessions gave a speech uh, just a couple of days ago, uh, and he did it on religious liberty, and it was really good, and I thought it only uh, – it, it was. It's my belief that you should hear these people in their own words and and hear things that aren't carried live on television a lot. So I want to play this for you. It will take us up until oh a little over a quarter after next hour. The Geek Squad's coming in at about three thirty-five. So right now, this is uh, the Attorney General, and listen to what he has to say about religious freedom and the Southern Poverty Legal Fund too because he really uh, takes the clothes off of the emperor who has no clothes, so to speak. Thank you. Thank you so much. It is good to be with you. Um, Wonderful. Thank you. Thank you, Michael. um, Thank you. Thank you. It warms my heart. Thank you all. Thank you. God bless you, and uh, it is an encouraging event. I don't get this so much in Washington, i got to tell you. Uh, I'm impressed and thrilled to be here, and um, just uh, really am impressed that you're here and that you care about the issues that are important to America, timeless, fundamental issues, and are engaged in the great battles and debates of our time on an intellectual and legal basis, and uh, you are proven... Uh, to be a match for many of the adversaries out there who have different views about things. On behalf of the President uh, of the United States, Donald Trump, I want to thank all of you for your work and commitment to religious freedom at such a time as this. Uh, As President Trump said to the National Prayer Breakfast last year, quote, freedom of religion is a sacred right, but it is also under threat all around us I've never seen it so openly threatened. So this is the problem here and around the world. In the Middle East, uh, some religious minorities like the Yazidis and Christians, uh, after centuries of being able to coexist uh, with religious majorities, are facing the possibility of extinction. In Russia, it's illegal to be a Jehovah's Witness or to publish their translation of the Bible. In the Philippines... Three Catholic priests have been assassinated so far this year. In June, a priest was shot to death at the altar right in front of his congregation. So according to Pew Research, 82 countries, 82, have high or very high restrictions on religion. These facts reflect a rise, I'm afraid, in religious persecution in areas of the world where religious groups have been able to live peacefully together. To avoid such results, our founders made a commitment to religious freedom that was truly historic, and it remains exceptional today and vitally important. The founders understood the evil of religious persecution and violence. They intended this country to be a safe haven where law-abiding people could live quietly, justly, and devoutly according to their own conscience. 
The clearest expression of this idea perhaps came from James Madison, who I think was the one who really shaped the national consensus. Americans moved from the Lockean view of tolerating other people's religion uh, to religious views of respecting and acknowledging each individual's right to freely exercise their religious faith. As Madison expressed it, religion or the duty one owes to our creator uh, cannot be directed by government power, uh, and that duty is precedent in order of time and degree of obligation to the claims of civil society. He, He declared that right, this religious freedom right, to be unalienable. Well, that's a pretty bold statement, that it transcends and precedes the very existence of civil government. The final product, our First Amendment, actually gives religious expression a double protection uh, in the supreme law of our land, the Constitution. Not only do we possess freedom to exercise our view, uh, beliefs, but we also enjoy the freedom of speech. Both are often akin to one another. Twenty years later, in 1812, former President John Adams remarked, quote, nothing is more dreaded than the national government meddling with religion. Adams and Jefferson were political opponents, but they agreed on the human right, the human right of religious freedom. That consensus does seem to be eroding today. We've seen nuns ordered to pay for contraceptives, We've seen United States senators ask judicial and executive branch nominees about their dogma, uh, really a clear reference to their religious beliefs, even though the Constitution explicitly forbids a religious test for office. Here in Georgia, there was a religious liberty bill proposed in the legislature. Those moral enforcers, Bob and Harvey Weinstein, were so offended that they threatened to stop filming their movies here. Uh, The people of Georgia apparently don't measure up to the Weinstein standard of behavior. Uh, And, of course, we've seen the ordeal faced bravely by Jack Phillips, who I understand is here. He just simply refused to yield to his beliefs. You know, as they say, the razor's edge between uh, uh, tenacity and hard-headedness, but uh, he stood in there. He stood for what he believed in and and won a victory in the Supreme Court of the United States. Uh, But I understand now that matter is still far from over. We may be seeing another round. But that's why ADF uh, and other groups are right to give serious thought and to take real action on these matters. It's important. The people of this nation are still the most religious people in the developed world, yet people of faith are facing, I think it's fair to say, a new hostility, and really some of it is a bigoted ideology, uh, which is founded on animus toward people of faith. They just don't like it. Uh, You'll notice that they don't rely often, uh, normally they don't rely on facts. They don't 
make better arguments. They don't propose higher ideals. They just call people names like hate group. Uh, Does that sound familiar to you? (laughs) Well, you know, I'm from Alabama, the home of the Southern Poverty Law Center, an organization that once has done important work in the South, vital work at a pivotal time in history. Uh, I knew Morris Dees well. uh, But as you know well, the law is only words on paper, paper until there are people brave enough to stand up and enforce those rights. There were hate groups in the South, and I suppose in the nation today there are some. Certainly there are. Um, they uh, attacked uh, in my region the life, liberty, and the very worth of minority citizens. Uh, you, cannot, you may not know this, but... I helped prosecute and secure the death penalty for a Klansman who murdered a young black teenager in Mobile, Alabama, hung his body from a tree. The resulting wrongful death action that arose out of that led to a $7 million verdict in the bankruptcy of the Ku Klux Klan in in the South, and they forfeited, actually, the building, Morris Dees did, and that case was brought by the Southern Poverty Law Center. But when I spoke to ADF last year, I learned that the Southern Poverty Law Center had classified ADF as a hate group. Many in the media simply parroted that as a fact. Amazon relied uh, solely on the SPLC designation and removed ADF uh, from its SMILE program, which allows customers to donate to charities. They've used this designation as a weapon, and they've wielded it against conservative organizations, others than than ADF, that refuse to accept their orthodoxy and choose instead to speak for their conscience conscience and their beliefs. They use it to bully and to intimidate groups like yours, uh, which fight for religious freedom, which is indeed the civil rights, the constitutional rights uh, of the American people. So you and I, I may not agree on everything, but I wanted to come back here tonight partially because I wanted to say this. You are not a hate group. This organization has a 9-0 record uh, in the Supreme Court over the last seven years in cases you've engaged in. That includes two of the most important cases of the last term. Uh, Two of those nine cases were seven to two votes in the court. One was per curiam, one was nine to zero. In the lower courts, you've won hundreds of free speech cases. That's an impressive record. Our Department of Justice would like to do that well, although we... (laughs) I can assure you... The Obama administration, Department of Justice, would love to have done that well. (laughs) So you endeavor to affirm the Constitution and American values. That's what you work for. A lot of people do. Sometimes we don't agree, but you have every right. You have a duty, if you believe something, to advocate for it. As for me, I'm not going to apologize uh, for the United States of America or our First Amendment. We're going to defend that amendment.
I know you feel the same way. This is the greatest, most generous country in the history of the world. We have the greatest legal system in the history of the world. You travel like I have around the world, and you see how hard it is to establish a rule of law and consistency and public safety in countries of great people, and every day they struggle in a disorganized, disorderly, dangerous society, and they feel almost hopeless to be able to change it. We need to remember the heritage we've got and protect and defend it consistently. And we're not going to uh, partner with hate groups. Not on my watch. Uh, uh. So I've ordered a review uh, at the department to make sure that we do not partner with groups that discriminate. We will not partner with groups that unfairly defame Americans for standing up for the Constitution or for their faith. The American people... I think the American people uh, care about this issue. Many people are deeply concerned about it. Americans from a wide variety of faiths are asking themselves, how much longer am I, uh, how much longer until I'm in Jack Phillips' position? How much longer until the state, the media, the academy, the tech companies, the global secular corporations come down on me because of my beliefs. Fortunately, President Trump has heard these concerns, and unlike some, he's not afraid uh, of the name-calling and the fake news. Uh, so he's endured a lot of relentless criticism uh, and media attacks in order to speak up for the forgotten people of this country and principles this country were founded on. Uh, he made a promise. And from day one, he has delivered. He is defending religious freedom at home and abroad. Just last week, the Treasury Department sanctioned Turkey's Minister of Justice and the Minister of Interior, both of whom played leading roles in the arrest of the American pastor, Andrew Brunson. Turkey was kind enough to return the favor and sanction me. Uh, <laughs> So um, I was informed uh, that they have frozen all my Turkish assets. Uh, uh, maybe my wife and I, when we take our anniversary trip, will look for some different place to go. Uh, to, uh... President Trump has appointed 24 circuit judges, more than any other president at this point in history, and we've got some more to go, one out of every seven circuit judges is now Trump judge. These are judges who will honor their oath to serve under the Constitution and laws of the United States, not above them. So after... Shortly after he took office, President Trump directed me to issue legal guidance to ensure that all executive agencies would faithfully apply the religious liberty protections in federal law. Our team embraced that challenge. Some of you 
probably already seen since this conference has been here, maybe you're aware of. They have worked their hearts out on this. We consulted with scholars around the country, and I believe we did a pretty good job of uh, setting up that guidance. Uh, our team, uh, uh, I spoke about it at, at the ADF conference uh, in Dana Point last July when I visited with you. I issued that guidance in October, and it lays out 20 fundamental principles for the executive branch to follow. Uh, some think we get to tell everybody else in the department, in the government, what to do, but all we can do is issue guidance. But when you have the backing of the president, guidance is an important thing. All right, so we'll pick up the final about eight minutes of this speech uh, from the uh, Attorney General, Jeff Sessions, when we come back after the news at the at the top of the hour. It's important for us to hear what the uh, Attorney General is saying, talking about religious liberty. There's a lot of us that are concerned that, uh, you know, there's people within government now, people outside of government trying to use the uh, people in government to take away our rights as uh, as believers. Whether you're a believer in Christ, whether you're Muslim, whether you're whatever. Uh, the founding fathers of this country said that you had the opportunity coming to America to worship the way that you want it to worship. Something to keep in mind. That's, uh, of course, written within the uh, First Amendment of the Constitution. A lot of people forget about that. I mean, right there with freedom of speech is freedom of religion. And there's freedom to, you know, come together to peacefully protest. There's all those things in that First Amendment. There's a lot of things there. If you haven't read that amendment in a while, suggest that you go back and take a look at it. Let me remind you about Holland Bottom Farm, what's going on with them. I mean, we're talking fresh vegetables and fruits right off the farm and to your table at your home. You know, cantaloupe. I just had cantaloupe for uh, lunch today. Went over to BJ's today. Had uh, some really good uh, fresh uh, cut uh, tomatoes. Uh, some cantaloupe, and then I had some baked catfish on rice, and it was uh, it was very good. I got to find the uh, recipe to that pie that they uh, have. Pineapple delight is what it's called, and it is tasty, to say the least. It's light, perfect for a day like today, where it was, you know, in the very it's in the low nineties, but the humidity is up, and it feels really warm outside. Holland Bottom Farms wants you to. Choose from a great selection of what they have at their stand. They got watermelons, they've got cantaloupes, they've got okra and tomatoes and jalapeno peppers and sweet lunchbox peppers, red, yellow, orange, green bell peppers, cayenne peppers if you want to heat it up a little bit, along with yellow squash. Holland Bottom Farms has delicious peaches, blackberries, blueberries, and uh, also Robin Hood honey which is taken from hives located on the farm. You can eat healthy with Holland Bottom Farms foods that they uh, grow and and put on uh, their roadside stand for you to buy. They're in Cabot right off of Highway 321. You take that first Cabot exit coming from Little Rock, hang a right, go straight out. Just go 
right across through the stoplights there. Keep going straight. That's 321. Get over the uh, viaduct and look to your right. You'll see their stand stop there and uh, pick some great, great things to eat up uh, there at Holland Bottom Farms. I've been shopping there for years. It's open Monday through Saturday from 9 in the morning until 6 in the uh, evening, but they are now closed on Sundays. But they do have watermelon still, and the cantaloupe, and the cantaloupes have been awesome this year. I'm, I've seen, I haven't seen uh, cantaloupes that big in a long, long time. All right, let's take our uh, break at top of the hour, catch up on the news. We've got five minutes of news for you, and then when we come back, the remainder of the speech from the Attorney General Jeff Sessions here on the Dave Ellswick Show. All right, back with you, Dave Ellswick Show. We'll get to that uh, final segment of Attorney General Jeff Sessions' speech uh, that he gave, I believe it was Wednesday night, and uh, let you hear what he had to say about religious liberty. Don't forget that there are 567 different ways to claim your Social Security benefits, 2,728 rules in the Social Security Handbook, and uh, that the Social Security Administration has been ordered by the government to uh, not offer you any uh, personalized advice at all. So you're totally on your own, on your own. Might be why $10 billion a year in benefits go unclaimed. Uh, so what you need is to learn how you could wring every nickel out of your Social Security benefits in a up-to-date 2018 guide to Social Security, and you can get one that's absolutely free from uh, David Lucas, host of the David Lucas Show, airs here on uh, 101.1 FM, The Answer, at 10 a.m. and again at 3 p.m. on Saturday. To get your free 2018 guide to Social Security, be one of the first 10 callers at 501-653-6690. Don't leave thousands of dollars on the table of your retirement. Get back every nickel that's rightfully yours. Get a copy of this book. Call 501-653-6690 or visit davidlucasfinancial.com. All right, the uh, Attorney General of the United States, and this is, of course, uh, Jeff Sessions, and his final segment on religious liberty. Reacting, we are actively seeking carefully, thoughtfully, and lawfully to accommodate people of faith, give them the right to freely exercise their faith that the Constitution provides. And under this, under this president, the Department of Justice is going to court across America to defend the rights of people of faith. We are aggressively enforcing our civil rights laws, our hate crimes laws, and laws protecting churches and faith groups. Since January of 2017, we have obtained 11 indictments and 8 convictions in cases involving arson or other attacks against houses of worship. Our Civil Rights Division has obtained 13 indictments in other attacks or threats against people because of their religion. And we're not slowing down. Three weeks ago, we obtained a jury verdict against a man who set fire to a mosque in Texas and a man from Missouri for threatening to kill members of a mosque. Yesterday, we obtained a life sentence for a man who murdered an Indian-American man 
a Sikh, as it turned out, because he thought he was a Muslim. These are the kind of horrible things that we do not need to allow in this country. And in addition to protecting the safety of the people of faith, we are also protecting them against discrimination. The department has settled 24 civil cases with 90 plaintiffs regarding the previous administration's wrongful application, we believe, of the contraception mandate to objecting religious employers. Earlier this year, a district court in Colorado issued a permanent injunction protecting the Little Sisters of the Poor from a government mandate that unnecessarily and unlawfully restricted their right to exercise their faith. In the, the case, the department took the unusual steps of formally switching sides uh, in the case from the previous administration to successfully support the result that they had rightfully sought. By the way, I, I saw Ken Starr earlier, fabulous former Solicitor General of the United States, and appreciated his uh, op-ed recently uh, praising uh, the Department and our, our uh, Noel Francisco, our current Solicitor General. He chose, we chose, we switched sides on four cases uh, from the previous administration, which is something we don't do lightly. Department is uh, there. We gave a lot of thought to it, and, and, and Noah worked on it in the one all four in the U.S. Supreme Court. So I think uh, people who say that we're acting recklessly and unlawfully or doing things that are improper, our record, I think, is very good, and I'm proud of Noel and his team. We also filed a brief on behalf of the Archdiocese of Washington, D.C., which was refused advertising for having a religious message. And me a break uh, that you can't, uh, you know, because uh, the president said we can say Merry Christmas again, at least uh, that uh, pretty good signal, though, about where we are in the country when you almost have to discuss that kind of freedom of speech and freedom to express your religion. And we file supporting briefs in two ADF cases. Uh, Wins you have been celebrating, I know this week, a masterpiece cake shop in Nifla, a mandating speech on the pro-abortion speech, mandating that kind of speech. So we got involved in a lawsuit filed by ADF against Georgia Gwinnett College, a taxpayer-funded school that punished a student for sharing his faith outside the free speech zone. How big was this free speech zone? Just 15 ten thousandths of the size of the campus uh, that they were on. And even inside the free speech zone, you had to grovel for permission from the administration. Give me a break. Uh, this is both an exercise of free speech and freely exercise of religion, both of which are in the first lines of the First Amendment of our Constitution. So in June, uh, 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 I announced the Place to Worship initiative. Under this initiative, the Department of Justice is holding public events across America and improving training for federal prosecutors about legal protections of houses of worship. That same day, we filed suit against a town in New Jersey 
for using zoning regulations to allegedly discriminate against an Orthodox Jewish congregation that tried for eight years without success to buy land for a synagogue. In July, we filed a brief in federal court supporting the case of a Hindu temple in Maryland that claimed to have suffered discrimination in its attempt to purchase land. One cynic, maybe not too far off base, said that the gendarmes and the people in the cities, uh, they don't get tax revenue for churches, so they don't care about churches or whatever their bias may be. Uh, I got to say that you... Churches have a right to purchase land and to build. Uh, We certainly cannot allow that to be eroded. Last Monday, we held a Religious Liberty Summit at the Department of Justice, and I announced our next step. I announced the Religious Liberty Task Force. More than 100,000 people tweeted about it. I was impressed. It was the third most tweeted about topic on earth at one point in the day. Late night, comedians joked about it, uh, although uh, maybe uh, that's a generous term for their doings. But uh, (laughs) actually, some of it was pretty funny. I had to give them credit for that. (laughs) Contrary to the elites and their resistance, this task force is simply going to help us fully protect our religious freedoms that are pre-existing and unalienable. It will make sure that we practice what we preach by holding federal agencies accountable to federal law. It will help us identify more cases that are right uh, and just and deserve to be brought. We intend to keep winning. Are you tired yet? (laughs) So we are not going to be intimidated. You can be sure of that. Under President Donald Trump, we're going to continue to uphold the founders' tradition of religious liberty, and we will keep defending the rights of the American people as God gives us the ability. Thank you. It's a great honor to be with you, and thank you for your work. I thought that was a a speech worth hearing, and so we played it for you today. I hope you enjoyed it. A lot of uh, good points made by uh, the Attorney General. Hey, don't forget about Sonny's Auto Salvage, your number one choice for recycled auto parts. Their phone number at Sonny's is 982-7451. If you're like me and you drive, you know, your car until the wheels fall off. I mean, I'm I'm coming up real close now to 300,000 miles on my uh, uh, Acura. And uh, once I, I, you know, take it all the way down to the the nubs, that's when I'll get rid of it. But right now, I'm still fixing it. When something goes wrong, I fix it because I don't like having a car payment anymore. And I especially don't like having a car payment when cars are costing, you know, if you get a decent car uh, in the 50 plus thousand dollar range. And if you don't take a, a four or five year, or even in some places, people are taking up to seven year uh, car loan. Uh, you're talking about uh, a lot of money a month. I would say average car payments now are anywhere between 350 all the way up to over uh, $1,000 a month to drive uh, cars on, on our highways that beat your cars to death. So Sunny's Auto Salvage wants you to know that they can get you the part for your car to repair a part that wears out. For instance, on uh, 2009 uh, Corona that I got, 
Uh, we've replaced the engine on it. We've replaced the um, transmission on it. And we're going to replace the front bumper on it here shortly. And, uh, you know, it, it, it's got 260,000 miles on it. But we like the car. And uh, the folks over at Sunny's found the engine, found the transmission, put it in for us. We got a three-year parts and labor warranty on it, on both the motor and the transmission. So if anything goes wrong uh, during that three years, uh, they're going to fix it. Now, you might be thinking, yeah, Dave, three years, probably three years and uh, parts and labor, and you get, uh, you know, 20, 24,000 miles. No, that's not the case at Sunny's. Uh, RD gives you unlimited miles. Uh, you'll have it for three years, and you'll get unlimited miles on that. So I don't have to worry about anything on that engine or on that transmission for three years. So, um, you know, that's the that's the big dollar amounts that we normally look at. Uh, and uh, if you don't have those big dollar amounts, that means you're going to be saving car payments every month. So think about that. Think about using Sunny's Auto Salvage. They'll deliver the parts to your uh, mechanic or they'll do the work for you. Their phone number is 982-7451. All right, back with you and uh, new mu- uh, new music, new uh, news coming out on uh, Judge Kavanaugh, uh, Brett Kavanaugh, who's up, of course, for the Supreme Court. It was announced today uh, by Chuck Grassley, who is the uh, Senate Judiciary Chairman. He is a, a Republican senator from Iowa, that the confirmation hearings will be, will uh, start on September 4th. That's the day after Labor Day. That's about, what, couple, two and a half weeks away, uh, Russ, I think. So uh, we're not that far from that. Also, uh, some... A new story from uh, New York Times. On Christmas Eve in 1998, five days after the House impeached President Bill Clinton, Brett Kavanaugh urged his boss, Kenneth Starr, the independent counsel, not to pursue a criminal indictment of Mr. Clinton until after he left office. Judge Kavanaugh, now President Trump's nominee to fill the Supreme Court, left vacant uh, by the retirement of Justice Anthony Kennedy, delivered the advice in a private memorandum made public on Friday uh, by the National Archives in response to a Freedom of Information Act request. It shows that Kavanaugh believed, rightly it turned out, that the Senate would fail to convict the president for the high crimes and misdemeanors that Mr. Starr and Mr. Kavanaugh had enumerated for Congress in the wake of Mr. Clinton's affair with Monica Lewinsky. After the Senate has concluded, I would send a letter to the Attorney General explaining that we believe an indictment should not be pursued while the president is in office, Kavanaugh wrote. He urged Mr. Starr to close the independent counsel's office, which had spent four years pursuing Mr. Clinton so, quote, the next president can decide what to do, unquote. Judge Kavanaugh's position is consistent with the doubts about the Star inquiry that he offered publicly and privately, even as he helped investigate Mr. Clinton. Earlier that year, he had told a legal symposium that he did not believe a sitting president could be 
indicted. That's that's huge because, uh, you know, you got uh, Kavanaugh. But he's been consistent. This is going all the way back to the 90s with Clinton. President can't be indicted. And now we're at the same place with what Mueller's doing, and uh, Kavanaugh's going to say the same thing. The president can't be indicted. So keep that in mind. File that one away for yourself. But uh, mark your calendar. Fun and Games begins September 4th uh, in D.C. Uh, as they begin uh, the confirmation process for uh, Mr. Kavanaugh. And uh, we won't carry that live, but we will be sure that we uh, give you some of the highlights of it. We'll be getting a lot of material on it, so as we get it, we'll play it for you uh, so that uh, you can hear it uh, as it's going on and keep you up to date on what's going on with it. All right, so... Uh, The Manafort trial has resumed. There's no explanation for the delay today. The judge called a delay, uh, a recess, and uh, prosecutors and defenders went to their corners and waited until he was ready to go again, and when he was ready, he got it going. So we'll see what goes out, uh, what's happening. All right, uh, Frank Luntz is in the news again. You know Flint. Uh he is uh, a pollster. You saw him, you know, Fox uses him uh, a lot. The reliability of Armorosa's book and claiming about what's been going on in the Trump White House is coming under some question. To recap, she has claimed, and uh, she being this lady that worked on The Apprentice and whatnot. And uh, she left the Trump White House. Now she's written a book. She says, I recorded all my these conversations and stuff, so it's a bunch of salacious stuff is what it's going to be. Uh, she's claimed that there's a tape of Trump saying the N-word. She spotted him chewing on a piece of paper in the Oval Office. There was a clash over a tanning bed, etc. Why don't you listen to how stupid that is? She even claims that she was offered hush money after leaving. There's one claim in particular concerning pollster Frank Lutz and uh, Trump's use of the N-word that Lutz said was flatly a lie. I'm in Omarosa's book on page 149. She claims to have heard from someone who heard from me that I heard Trump use the N-word. Now, let's, okay, I she heard from someone she knew who heard from a person who heard from another person that they heard Trump use the N-word. Completely inadmissible in court. Yeah, yeah, no kidding. Three but, ways completely inadmissible But you in got court. all those people that are out there that hate Trump, and they're going to go nuts on this. Be watching for it to show up in your local Democrat ad, I'm sure. Uh, not only is this flat-out false, I've never heard such a thing, but Omarosa didn't even make an effort to call or email me to verify. Very shoddy work. Seems like certain book publishers these days care more about getting a release out than getting the facts down. That's that's been been that way for a long, long time. 
This is why people don't trust these exposés, which is especially bad for authors who actually are good and reliable. So um, already people saying she said that she heard that from a friend who had heard it from another friend who had heard it from me that I had told them that Trump had used the N-word. Good grief. Unbelievable. I mean, seriously, just crazy stuff that's going on in this country. Uh, Looking, I'm just trying to check on some different stories that I saw today. There's many things changed at Kavanaugh hearing. I told you that already. Uh, And by going to September 4th and starting the confirmation, it's going to tee up Republicans, meet their goal of getting Trump's pick seat on the high court by uh, early October. All right, we've got to uh, get to the news. News coming up. The uh, Geek Squad's going to be here in a few moments. Tim Lim's going to be here. Mitch Breitweiser will be here. Josh will be here. Shane Stacks will be here. And a special guest who wrote an article uh, for the Federalist about the sharing for things. So keep that all up. So, <laughs> ain't that the truth? That's the truth. All right, here's the news. Now, I don't know Tim. Okay, Tim Lim is here. Everybody knows who Dr. Tim Lim is. Hello. He takes care of your ears. All right. He takes care of you being able to hear. Plus, he does comics. Yeah. Yeah. Twofer. Yeah. It's good stuff. It's good stuff. But he doesn't like monster movies that has, like, big monsters. No, I like monster movies. Well, you didn't like Rampage. Yeah, because it was dumb, too. (laughs) But those movies are supposed to be dumb. It was. There's nothing wrong with a dumb, fun movie. It was beyond a level of stupidity. No, okay. I didn't like. All right. I got gotcha. you. How about you, Josh? You liked Rampage. Yeah, I love big, dumb, fun movies. Like, see, if it's a big monster, it. I like mean, me. I'm going to like it. I'm probably going to like it either way. Did you go see The Meg yet? Not yet. I went last night. Did you? You're going to love it, man. It's great. Is it better than Rampage? Oh, yes. Okay, good. It's better than Skyscraper. Well, yeah, I, I can tell. All right. <laughs> what about Ready Player One? Uh, yeah, I I wasn't a big fan of Ready Player. I, I finally watched it, but I found myself the whole movie. I just kept pausing it, pausing it, yeah, pausing it, looking for all the Easter eggs. Yeah, because they should have had. I mean, it should have. They should have went. You know, went slower at these scenes because you know how do you had to pause it to pick out everybody. But it was for all of you geeks and nerds that they knew would get the DVD and stop it and do just what you telling us you were doing. I still haven't seen it. It's I mean, okay. I mean, it's I all mean, right. you pause it and you've got Spawn, the Joker. Batgirl, Chun Li, all running next to each other. It's like now. Was it Batgirl or Batwoman? It was Batgirl. It was Batgirl. Yeah. Now, when they made her lesbian, no, Batwoman was uh, was straight up created that way. But Batgirl, she's so she was been. she was created as a lesbian. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, she's not one of these characters that you know they you know trashed years later and said okay they're a gay. Now. No, but, but, they, but they did. That's they what had, happened. They oh, was had, it too? Yeah. I mean, uh-huh. Batgirl wasn't lesbian. No. So if she became a woman, she's... No, there's Bat Batgirl and Batwoman are two different. Yeah, two separate characters. Yeah. Okay, cuz I saw that what Ruby Rose or Rose Ruby or whatever her yeah. name is, the orange is the new black. Pitch Perfect 3. Yeah, she's going to be she's going to be playing uh, her on the TV series. And she talked about I am so excited and and thrilled and worried that I'll not be able to show transgenders how great oh my they gosh. are. <laughs> you know, here's my question: Why does it matter? Why does it matter? 
I'm not interested in Batwoman's sex life. I'm wondering, can she get the Joker? Or can she get, uh, you know, somebody else? I don't give a doggone if she's holding hands with her roomie. <laughs> well, you know, it's a whole, it's a bit of a slippery slope thing. For example, so Batwoman is separate than Batgirl. Batwoman is Kathy Kane, and she was not created to be a lesbian. She was actually in the comics way back when. And then I think when Greg Rucka took over, then they decided we're just going to make her a lesbian. I got a question. Mm-hmm. Why did we need Batgirl, which was the commissioner's, the commissioner's daughter. daughter? Right. Okay. Why couldn't she grow up and be Batwoman? Well, they don't grow up. <laughs> They all kind of stay with. Oh, so they had to have a back girl very, very, very slowly. slowly. They had to have a back girl comic book, and then they had to have a bat woman. Correct. Okay. Yeah. All right. Doesn't make a lot of sense, other than you might be able to sell sell a few more comics. Yeah, and I mean, people like her. They like the Greg Rucka version. I mean, Greg Rucka's a um, he's a good creator. Uh, I have. Honestly, it's not to my liking, obviously, so I never picked it up. But when I heard that Ruby Rose – so here's the thing. I think the real question is are we going to start getting actors and actresses that actually fit the mold of the character that they're supposed to play? That's, that's a bit weird that's to me. That's been my question all along when they came after Scarlett Johansson Correct. about not being transgender. we got transgender actresses out there. Okay, so does that, that destroys the whole left – uh, argument that they want the next James Bond right. to be black yeah. because the book says that he's white. Yeah. I mean, t- th- today, apparently, uh, they've been reporting that Idris Alba is up there as the contender to be the next James Bond. So you see this hypocrisy. I mean, it kind of depends on what they want. As long as it's a minority or some marginalized group that needs needs better represented, and people can't see it unless they're on the camera. I'm using little quotes with yeah. my fingers. <laughs> you can see him live on Facebook right now. Yeah. You can see Tim doing that. If it's a marginalized group, then He's obviously they want that quotes. representation. Um, but whenever it's just an actor having to play a role, they don't want it, especially if it's someone white. It's it's weird. It's bizarre. Because I, 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 right after that all started, and I felt sorry for Johansson, okay? I really felt sorry for her. Because she had to come out and she, of course, apologized because she wants to keep her career going. So she was forced, and, I, and I'm thinking that whatever whatever it was that she said, I forget, I don't have it in front of me. I'm not going to try to paraphrase it. Bottom line was she said it in a way that uh, sounded to me like, okay, here's your apology. I'm saying it just so you can, people will let loose and leave me alone. Right. You know, kind of thing. And because she wanted to play the role. Was she, she wanted to play the role of a guy that was transsexual. But the transsexual said, why would you do that? We got transsexuals out there that can't get work. You know, <laughs> let let somebody else play that part. Let a real transsexual. Well, then, you know, most of Rock Hudson's movies should be taken out of circulation because he played a white straight guy. Yeah, well, don't speak too loudly because uh, that might be the next thing that they do. I mean, they do it retroactively with movies and books. So it's Poe's law. One day you think that something is parody. The next day it turns out it's a reality. We live in that kind of day and age now. Yeah. But the interesting thing about that whole bit with um, with Scarlett Johansson and whatever else is going on right now is this idea that in um, – I don't know. It's, it's stuff like this that makes you wonder why they're not seeing why 
uh, box office numbers are going down. I mean, we live in a robust economy, but at the same time, you have certain sectors of um, American economics where they're faltering. Comic books being one, pretty much all of entertainment, <laughs> uh, movie box office tickets are going down. Because because a lot of it now has become blatant propaganda. Right. I mean, that's what's happening, Tim. You agree with that, Josh? I just see it's too expensive. That's <laughs> that just too. the part I see it. Yeah. I mean, that is true. I mean, this year alone, I've only seen two movies. Yeah. So, and they were Most of the movies good. I've seen are waited for home release. Yeah. Okay. I pay my money and go. I enjoy <laughs> movies. I, I, you know, I mean, because if I go to a baseball game, you know, I, I mean, if I go to a pro game, and let's say I go see the cards and I sit in a good seat, What's it going to cost me, Ross? Are we looking at how much money for a good seat to see the car? It depends on which good seat you want. Well, I'm talking about put you down fairly close to the field. It's going to be in the eighty or ninety dollar ranges. A little it? more than that. Okay, you're That's talking about like hundred and fifty on up. Okay, hundred and fifty on up. Okay, so per three, seat. Okay, three hundred dollars for a couple plus what? Ten dollars a beer. If that, yeah. Yeah, and I have. How much does a hot dog cost now? Uh, you, you're going to buy your one beer and your hot dog, and you're going to spend about a, about $20. Okay, so the bottom line, the pig wasn't the only one that squeals, okay? No. I'm going to squeal when I buy the hot dog. You're going to squeal when you buy anything at the ballpark. I'm saying 300 Okay, so now we're looking at $330. If I go to a movie, I spend 40 bucks. Yeah. That's for a big popcorn, a soda. You know, and the that, collector and, cup, and yeah, and, and the, the little two. figure to go with the collector cup. Yeah, I don't have that, but I mean the two. <laughs> then I've got uh, you know, only you, Josh, me and somebody else. You know, yeah, we were. I was having this dilemma last weekend. I really wanted to see that Christopher Robin movie, and then the review started coming in. And I think Rotten Tomatoes had it like sixty-seven percent for the critics, ninety percent for the audiences. Right. But when you're sitting there, and I'm thinking to myself, okay, I got to bring my buddy. I got to bring my wife with me. Uh, that those numbers start to snowball and add up. It's twenty seven bucks. Yeah, and I nine I, bucks a ticket for the most part. Although most theaters now it's about ten dollars to mm-hmm. get in, so thirty bucks. Yeah, and that is a cost analysis that I have Tell to do. Tell your buddy buy his own popcorn. It's almost like that late lunch. You rush to be there before three or four, so you get the lunch price over the dinner price. Yeah. And same with the movies. It's like, if I get here to see this show and I can only pay are $7. There, are there matinee prices still? Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. There are. are there? Okay. Yeah. And some know. theaters have uh, the first showing of the day price now, too. Okay. So come now because you'll save a couple bucks per ticket or whatever. Yeah. It's like a 10 o'clock showing. Okay. I miss back That's in the day. A little when the, uh, early for me. You remember when we first got the IMAX? Because I remember I saw Thor that way. I want to say it was, I can't remember if it was Tuesdays. I remember like any showing between Tuesdays. five o'clock, yeah. that it was like $5. So I remember going right. out to the IMAX, seeing the movie, $5, popcorn and drink was $5, straight up. 10 bucks, huh? Yeah. And that's yeah. what I used to do. I'd try to get to work early, leave early, and zoom over to the IMAX. Is the IMAX still open? Yeah, it just opened back up. Oh, did it? Yeah, okay. a while back, yeah. How much did a ticket sit now? I haven't been back, but last time, I want to say like a movie was... There was an IMAX price and there was an IMAX 3D price. And I want to say it was like $18. For what? To IMAX the 3D or yeah, IMAX? IMAX 3D. And I want to say IMAX was maybe 15 or 16 Okay. But I'm just like, it's going to be really good for me to see it that way. All right. But here's something else you're going to say. You go see Meg? Um, I will if you recommend I, it. Yeah, go yeah. see it. It's a fun movie. Okay. I mean, it doesn't take itself seriously. Is okay. it violent? I can't, I can't believe that it movie's only PG-13. Stop. Did anybody tell it to shut up? 
<laughs> As a family guy joke. <laughs> Shut <Yeah>. up, Meg. <laughs> no, it, it did. It. Uh, they did announce today that there's they're making a Family Guy movie. No, half cartoon, half live action. Oh yeah. My. Okay. Anyway, and another care. Simpsons. I can. I can totally just ignore that. So <laughs> any, anyway, uh, you were asking about the Meg. The Meg um, just doesn't take itself seriously. You know, and that's what that's I kind of like, and get, because it's. I mean, Statham is the perfect actor to do that mm-hmm. where he's doing all this stuff and you can look at him and his tongue is firmly implanted in his cheek there's a great is it rain wilson is that how he pronounces yeah, his rain name? wilson okay so he's in it he plays like an elon musk type of character he's got more money than god and he's the one that's financing this this uh, super duper operation of this uh, uh underwater aquarium thing that they built and uh Anyway, he he he's, he's got one of the better lines in the movie. There's uh they're fighting this big 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 shark. It's seventy five foot long. All right, it's a big shark. It's the megalodon. Okay, it's a big shark, and they're like chasing it, and it's getting away. And they go, "We'll never find it again." And he says, "What do you mean? Just stick a tracker on it? Don't you guys watch Star- Shark Week?" <laughs> I mean, that's a that's a cool thing to have in the movie. I thought I I kind I kind of liked it, and and uh, some people said, well, it would come really kind of stupid. To, it's a stupid look. The whole concept is stupid. All right, a prehistoric, you know, dinosaur shark that has been living under a methane layer in the Mariana Trench. trench yeah. All right, all right. So come on, just the whole thing. <laughs> Is stupid. I read the book. Oh, did you? Yeah. Was the book good? The book is good. Yeah. Okay, so it was fun. I liked it. I okay. liked it a lot. I just I just go in knowing what it is. And I like Jason Statham. So, uh, oh, up he's until, great in the movie. He's good. Up until Chris Pratt came on the scene, I, I had always thought to myself, who's going to be the next like Arnold Schwarzenegger or the next Sylvester Stallone? And there's a couple people, you know. The problem is I think a lot of people like The Rock. But oh, yeah. there's just there's something about The Rock that – in my opinion, doesn't really put him in that league. But Jason Statham... Well, it does now. He's making more money than anybody yeah. in Hollywood. Mm-hmm. Money For talks, sure. buddy. Yeah. <laughs> so he's in he's in that that category, whether we like it or not. But I like The Rock. I think he's... Oh, I, mean, I like him, too. He, he, he's he entertaining. Is, he, well, he's really... He's interesting uh, as far as he's a likable character. Mm-hmm. He was a wrestler. Yeah, and that's probably something that made me more open to him. Uh, when he went to movies, you know, even though he did do what was the Duke, the Scorpion, was it, King? wasn't it Duke Nukem? What was the one? Uh, that he Doom. Did? Doom, Doom, yeah, yeah. Oh, terrible movie. <laughs> that was a terrible. That, that almost destroyed yeah. his career. Mm-hmm. I mean, that just about completely derailed him. Yeah, that's when those movies. I actually bought it and only watched it one time, and I'm like, why did I buy this? <laughs> it's bad. <laughs> you know, he's playing. Who is he playing? He's playing uh, Doc. Um, Doc Savage. Savage, yeah. yeah. He's going to do Doc Savage. That's kind of an interesting character to pick. They're making a Jungle Cruise movie, too. Yeah, that's coming headliner. out next year mm-hmm. with Jermon J2. And what was the other movie that was coming out? It was another Adam Black? Ba- Black, Black Adam. Adam. Yeah, Black Adam. He's playing that Shazam. Part too. Oh, is that Shazam? Okay, yeah. so he's going to be... In he's going to be a character in another movie as that character, but then he's got a standalone movie as well as that character. Mm. It'll be interesting. I've been waiting to see um, Central Intelligence too because I really liked 
Central Intelligence. I never saw that one. Oh, that was hilarious. There's some great stuff. And I'm looking at Mitch Brackweiser right now. He's looking at me. I said, don't ask me anything about it. <laughs> He's just looking at me. just shaking his head. Don't, don't ask me because his constant answer would be, I didn't catch that one. <laughs> <That's right>. <laughs> <laughs> is that not true? That is true. I All don't right. know what you're talking about. All right. I will tell you, take your beautiful wife, buy a big old bo- thing of popcorn, butter it up real good, put some salt on it, get yourself guys. To, do like I do, get a get a Diet Coke, too, <laughs> to go with all that grease. I get a Coke Zero. No, a Coke Zero. Well, it's the same thing as like me. It's got zero calories. Yeah, right? it tastes a lot better. But anyway, you sit there, go see uh, Meg. Go see the Meg. The Meg. The Megalodon. Oh, okay. The 75-foot shark. Oh, wow. That's eating people. Okay. Now, can it actually eat people or does it just swallow them? <laughs> it swallows some people. It bites other people. Okay. What's funny, here's one of the funny things in the movie. When he snaps his jaws, it goes, chick, chick, chick. you're going to hear it snapping at people. Nice. It's underwater. You wouldn't, <laughs> you wouldn't hear it snapping. But I don't care. I would. I just love the movie. I just. It I mean, was just we, a fun movie. We hear watch. explosions in space. So That's exactly yeah, right. Might as well. And uh, most, yeah, most movies like that, except for that scene in the Last Jedi when, <laughs> or in how did the Last Jedi like? For some reason, the, there's gravity in space, and you can drop bombs on the star destroyer. <laughs> that was weird. <laughs> that would have been kind of cool because they would just dropped and stayed there. Yeah, mm-hmm. just floated over. It would have been real. What I thought would have made that movie better is in that opening scene when those bombers came. If they were like, "These are the prototype bombers. We've never used them before." And it's like launch bombs, and then the bomb just like comes out of the bay door and just floats there and just blows up. <laughs> yeah, and blew them all up. At least the audience would get a good laugh, and I would have been like, "Yeah, maybe that was worth my ten dollars." But you know what? The, the, the audience wouldn't have got it. Yeah, <laughs> I'm just saying they wouldn't have got like, it. I don't get the why, joke. Why? why didn't they fall? Why? Don't they Something's know all, wrong. Of, all of those all those other ships have artificial gravity, so yeah. of course they would just continue to fall. <laughs> That's the way I explained it to my son. Yeah, Artif- makes sense. Artificial gravity. The 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 movie. The, oh, we got to take a break. Is that what you I got to take a break. Okay, so if we got to take a break. Let me get out of the way here, just here for a moment. It is the uh, the Dave Ellswick show. Let me talk about applied research real quick. We got a special guest coming up here in about fifteen minutes. And Mitch got kind of excited when I told him this guy was going to be coming on. From the Federalist that wrote the book about uh, how comic books and this crowdfunding thing, they've raised like one point one and a quarter million dollars. Yeah, yeah, I'm excited about that. You're talking you about John Del Rose. You mentioned yeah. in that article, I know. sir. He, he dropped my name. How about yeah, that? Yeah, it's there. <laughs> and Van, Van Skyver, your buddy, is in yeah, there, right? Yeah. Tim I, Lim Tim's is in, in there. there. Yeah, yeah. There's a big thing going on right now in crowdfunding for comic books. Yeah, we were as talking you know. about that in the 4 o'clock hour. I, it's, I mean, it's bigger than big. And, man, he didn't pull any punches in his article. Did you read the article? Yeah, I know. I sent it to you. Yeah, yeah. I've I've heard from John a couple times. He doesn't pull punches at all. (laughs) All right. We've got a break. We'll be back here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Yeah, I was telling you about applied research, and and my brain took me somewhere else. Uh, We wanted to remind you about all the clinical research studies that they've got going on right now. They've got research studies about uh, atopic dermatitis. They've got acne studies, asthma studies, testosterone studies. Uh, diabetic studies, kidney stone studies, uh, you need to go to their website because instead of me telling you what each study is and uh, what are the criteria for being part of the study, just go to ARC, 
Arkansas. It's one word, ARCArkansas.com. And when you get there, you'll see all the studies. It's got drop, little drop-down um, like screens that you can look at, and it gives you all the information. If you meet the parameters, all you have to do is uh, type in your name, give them your contact information, they'll be in touch with you. Or if you're not by a computer right now, you want to get some information on uh, some of those uh, different uh, health studies I've been talking about over the last few weeks, just call 501-954-7822. That's 501 501- nine five four seven eight two two and the person at the other end of the phone will be able to help you out all right so mitch breitweiser's here josh is here tim Lim is here he had a really important question for me which i will answer during the break to him when we come back we got a writer that's going to join us and talk about how crowdfunding is chasing or not chasing but changing the face of comics uh, that we have seen over many, many years. Okay, I got to tell you something. Want to see? We're going to four o'clock hour, so a lot of you are getting in your cars. Next Wednesday, Donald Trump Jr. will be on the Dave Ellswick show. Just let everybody know. Wow. So well, you get to hear from from the, the number two in commitment. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> well, you'll hear from Donald Trump Jr. You need to bring up, he retweeted me um, last week. Did he? Yeah, uh, for Trump Space Force. It oh, was a good. big honor. So that was really cool. I bring it up to him. Yeah. yeah. To him oh, no, 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 no. He, he didn't retweet Red Rooster. Now, that's what you need to bring up to him. Why didn't you retweet Red Rooster Gold Edge on Indiegogo, Don Jr.? Well, let's find out. John Delarose uh, is with us. Is it Rosa? It's John Della Rose. Yeah, Della Rose. I got it. You got hey. it right. You got it right. Hey, John, how are you? I can't complain. Just out here selling comic books and writing articles and doing my thing. Well, here's what I... I just kind of fell over this. I, I was just kind of streaking around the uh, the internet, and I was reading uh, The Federalist, and all of a sudden, this article pops up about crowdfunding on uh, the internet for comics, and you know, I've been really... Uh, helping out as much as I can for Mitch and and for Tim and for other people that are doing this crowdfunding. I mean, look, we got up to one point two five million dollars, one and a quarter million dollars. Probably fifty cents of that is from my show, uh, but I'm just I'm just saying it's 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 been exciting uh, around here with these guys. And then to read your article, I didn't know anybody else besides the people that I had kind of. You know, talking in here and maybe on Twitter talking about this stuff. I didn't know anybody was doing some really deep investigative reporting on it, and I want to thank you for that. Hey, I appreciate that. Yeah, I actually started my investigative reporting with the Federalist about a year and a half ago now. I I was researching Marvel Comics and, and saw that every single writer at the company had sort of just really nasty things to say about conservatives and about Trump supporters. And not even not even one was silent. All of them were on social media doing that. And so I started writing it up. Uh, ben Dominic at The Federalist liked what I was doing on my blog and asked me to come aboard. And I've been trying to just stick with cultural topics that, since then because Thank you. I think a lot of us don't pay attention to culture and that needs to change. Why don't more people pay attention to, to what Breitbart said? You know, that culture is upstream from politics. Why don't they pay attention? Look, Tim was trying to get CPAC to get interested in this last year, 
And it was like, we don't want to talk about that. You dummies, that's exactly what you got to be talking about. You know, you're out here with stuff like with stuff like Trump's Space Force, with Mitch's Red Rooster, with my Flying Sparks. We're out here influencing the hearts and minds of young people. Yeah, this is what matters. People listen to us a lot more than you know, honestly, than somebody like Donald Trump Jr. Because we connect with them on a different level. Kind of like people look. Ben Shapiro is a good friend of mine. I used to have Ben on when he was a teenager and was writing conservative columns. He's the youngest conservative writer uh, when he first started. But you know what? Young people don't listen to Ben Shapiro. Ben Shapiro talks right over their head. It just goes in one ear and out the other. But they'll listen to Tim Lim. They'll listen to Mitch Breitweiser, but they won't listen to him as Mitch Breitweiser or Tim Lim. They'll listen to him as you know Space Force or as Red Rooster. Mm-hmm. Is is that not the case? Well, so we're used to we're primed to receive uh, our stories at, and learn as through metaphors, right? So uh, somebody like a Shapiro, I mean, I think he does have a young listenership. I think, th- but that is limited, right? The amount of young people that will go out and seek Ben Shapiro because they're interested in conservative politics or philosophy or whatever that limits your audience. But if you speak to your audience through color and images and metaphors. And excitement and happiness and joy and uh, through the product that they engage with and have nostalgia for, then you have a relationship with that person, with that customer. So is it learning through the process of osmosis? Is that what we're doing? Uh, <laughs> you don't stick the comic book on top of your head and learn I don't everything. Mean, yeah, I understand that, but I'm, you understand what I'm saying. A little bit, yeah, I think so. I you're, think it's you're more You're not serious subtle. about it. You're letting it subtly influence their thoughts well you want i think you want a reader to come to their own conclusions about things you know it's like well i've read this story and i see it has a meaning it has a purpose and then they should consider it for a while and then when they consider all the data and the story the metaphors then they will it'll settle in and say that was my experience i i didn't learn it as much as i drew the conclusion myself and i think that's a more powerful way to motivate someone to change Let me just tell you, conservatives, and I think a big reason for this is because the church is a big part of conservatism, is that the church looks at culture as something to be ignored, abhorred, and not be part of. Then why is their book full of stories? Now, I agree. Bible stories about heroes. Don't argue my points, (laughs) okay? Don't be arguing my points. You know, the bottom line is is that – we're missing the boat because of that. Yeah, we really are. Although the the Christian uh, film industry is growing up a little bit, finally, it's not just making movies that are pounding you on the head with the Christian message. It's taking life issues and and giving it a twist of of Christianity, which is the best, way, just way Jesus did. You know, I mean, I I don't understand why conservatives are so scared of that part of it. That's why. Hollywood has such a, a hold on our our country, and man, they're a conduit for the Democratic Party and for the leftists, and now for the you know the Democratic Socialists. Mm-hmm. Now, um, since we have John on the air, what I want to ask him is, 
Um, the Federalist has actually done, and you've done two out of three, which is really good, but the Federalist has done three major articles on comics and culture. Uh, you did the two that you've mentioned, and then there was the one that they did when Jawbreakers was a success and all the controversy that happened after Richard was deplatformed with his publisher. Um, from your interactions with the Federalist, John, what do you feel like in terms of uh, where their stance is with regarding these cultural issues? Uh, do they only pay attention when these kind of benchmark events happen, or do you think they do? Or do you think that they're paying pretty close attention um, and that you have them by the ear? I actually wrote three out of three of those articles. Oh, yeah. you wrote the other one, the Jawbreakers one. Yeah. Oh, there you go. Yeah, well, I congratulations. I did not know that. <laughs> Yeah, so basically this is like my sort of niche within the Federalist. So anytime I see some news stories, I bring it to them, and uh, and that's when it gets out there, absolutely. Do you, are you working on some bigger expose that you can't talk about? No, I, I kind of go in and out of my journalism work because I'm, I'm primarily a fiction writer. I, I have science fiction books. My next science fiction book is coming out next week. It's called The Blood of Giants. And it's a sequel to my award-winning for Steaming Country. And I'm also doing comics on top of that. So it's like the, uh, I guess, my my journalistic work with this stuff, I do periodically when there's a big story coming out. And I, I see it and I, I try to, you know, just get that momentum going on into the mainstream media a little bit. And uh, it's, it's kind of a side thing, to be honest. Um, in the comics world, especially what we call Comics Gate, this kind of consumer rebellion against the big two um i know that there's been a lot of flack regarding uh vox day and uh, his alt hero brand um and it tends to be pretty polarizing but i know that you've worked very closely with him as of i but mine is a lot more limited i just did cover work for him uh what do you have to say to people who are pro comics gate but anti uh vox do you have any um any advice to give or any perspective that you can add to that yeah, I, I think that Vox, uh, he has a blog that's a little bombastic for people. And, uh, you know, if you actually talk to him as a person, uh, he ends up being a, a pretty gracious guy, a, a guy who really wants to help. Uh, he calls me and, you know, when he sees my stuff out there and he says, you know, here's what I liked about this. Here's what you could do better. Here's how you can improve. And actually really puts time into mentoring me a lot. And that's I really cool. appreciate that because I never... You know, I, I was a nobody when he when he decided to pick me up and do that. Um, he's a good Christian guy. Um, he really wants to change the industry and uh, and and change the direction it's been going. And alt hero. I mean, I think when when the word alt gets put in front of things now, people kind of panic and and get kind of a visceral reaction for it, whether whether it's positive or negative. Um, so I think that happened there. But if you read the comics themselves, they're really not super political. Um, they are to some extent. I mean, the UN is trying to control everything, but that's, that is real life. I mean, the UN is trying to control everything in real life, too. And, uh, you know, it, it's just human nature. He doesn't really present it as, like, the UN's better human nature than everybody else. Um, you, you'll have to read the comic a little more to see for yourself. But, you know, he, he's out there trying to make good superhero stories. And, and more importantly, he's trying to form a company so that all of us can kind of come in under the banner and actually have a complete competing flag with marvel and dc and i think that's very important yeah no i i completely agree um and in my in our perspective i think it's more like the enemy of your enemy is your friend uh, or at least your ally um with regards to how we're trying to shape culture and i think a lot of people are really shocked when i tell them that in my conversations with vox he's not as 
he's not as bombastic as I think he's portrayed to be. Now, his writing, definitely, you can see it that way, and I'm not going to argue with that. But my interactions with him have been largely positive. He has a lot of really nice outsider perspective to bring to all this. And um, I would argue that comics get, at least as as far as the major revolution has occurred, it actually started with two outsiders. You had Vox Day, who was a science fiction writer and a political commentator, and you had Richard C. Meyer, who was an outsider. I mean, he had done some published work before, but not that much, but he, they, the two of them really kind of led the way. And then obviously you have Ethan Van Skyver, so you have like an insider who was able to see this and capitalize on it. So um, I just think it's very interesting in terms of what people's opinions are and how they react to certain um, artists, writers, and other creators. Absolutely. I mean, we, we all kind of have our personas or whatever. So you, you kind of see things and people kind of react based on that. And I also think just based on the internet, uh, when people see text, they read tone into things. And, you know, sometimes that tone is mildly there or strongly there. But people tend to read the worst into people they don't know especially if they're skeptical about somebody. So mm-hmm. until you actually talk voice with somebody, you really don't get an accurate perspective of, of who they are, at least in, in my opinion. This is a conversation I had, John, with Ethan when I found out that he was parting ways with DC. And I knew there, I knew there some big changes were coming in comic books in general. And I was preparing to do my own thing anyway for some time. Uh, I said, Ethan, if you want to... Like and I think I, we, I talked about this with Tim too. I said we have to get our faces out there because what you're saying is absolutely correct. If you're just on Twitter, if you're just an icon and some text, then they will frame it. They can they can fr- put you in their frame. They can interpret your text through their voice or add to it yep. a neg a negative connotation. They can take positive words as have happened to me on Twitter before. They've taken positive, encouraging words and twisted them into something. That is terribly negative, and it's like, in what world? Yeah, and so the thing is, is you have to be out there. You have to show your face. Uh, you have to connect with your audience eye to eye. I think. Okay, so I got to take a break. When we come back, let's talk about getting your face out there. How about you know Fox News, like Greg Gutfield or somebody like that, having you guys on his show to talk about this issue or whatever i think he'd find it interesting or some of these other people who have uh, podcasts that are out there and you know get your voice out on those let's talk about all that and uh john uh john del rosa is going to stay with us we're going to keep him and john you're all right to stay with us the hour yeah at least the hour okay <laughs> all right if you're good for longer that's cool josh is here too he's being strangely quiet i don't are you holding back on us, Josh? Oh, this is too intelligent for me. It's too cerebral? <laughs> yes. Okay. Well, we'll try to... It's all going over We'll my tone head. it down for you, all right? Okay. We'll tone it down. <laughs> all right, it's Dave Ellswick Show. Don't forget about uh, Arrow Plumbing, aeroplumbing.net. Uh, Arrow Plumbing, just on uh, Google. 100% satisfaction guarantee. It's the reason I use them. If you're not 100% satisfied with the service they've provided to you, they'll refund all your money. And if a repair fails in the first year, they repair that just at no charge at all. They'll come back out and take care of that work. They can do it all for you. They can go underneath your slab and fix a uh, a leak without having to you know hammer jackhammer through your slab. They can do it all. That's Arrow Plumbing. Again, arrowplumbing.net or just Google Arrow Plumbing. You'll find their number and all the rest of the stuff that you need right there. You know, if you're someone like me who's on the media and then all of a sudden all the platforms take you off, 
I mean, if they took the Dave Ellswick show off of, uh, you know, Facebook Live or whatever, I'd have to look for a new career. I'd have to find something new to do on Friday. <laughs> Here's what I would do. I would, I would do. I'd, I'd go up and join up with, uh, with Jill Johnson over at PI Roofing. That's what I do. I go get a job at PI Roofing, and you can do that too. Did you guys like that bridge? Today? I did. That was that's very not too good. Bad. That's not too bad. Uh, and we're going to talk about that in a second, John, about uh, Facebook and all of them conspiring together. We're going to talk about all of that. Uh, let's look. If you want a career with a leading company like PI Roofing, you can work with your hands. You like to be outdoors. Well, PI Roofing Home Solutions, they've been expanding their operations for a while now. Now they're ready to really expand to better serve their customers as they grow. You can build your future with them. PI Roofing Home Solutions has career opportunities in commercial roofing and service division, their residential roofing and service division, and the home solutions division. Uh, make a difference with the folks at PI Roofing. Climb your ladder to success. Apply at piroofing.com or 501-707-3551. All right, back. Uh, we've got uh, Tim Lim here. we got uh, of course, Mr. Brightweiser is here. I call him Mr. because he's become quite the celebrity here in <laughs> Central Arkansas now. And then uh, Josh is here. Good to have him here. Josh doesn't have a, a last name. Well, I could call you Josh Heffy. Yeah. We can do you that. You can do that. Okay. And then we're gonna, before the show's over today, we're going to take you out to, uh, to the big Comic-Con that Josh was at just recently, have him tell us everything that happened to him. Did you finally hit on any of the, the girls out there that you kept telling me about? No, there weren't as, as many this year. There weren't as many? No. Is is cosplay losing its steam? This year it was just kind of, eh. I mean, it wasn't a whole lot as <laughs> like there usually is. Eh. <laughs> I like that. that. That's, a, that's a good way of describing it. I mean, it was mostly just just people walking around with their name badge on, and every now and then you'd see, oh, hey, Megatron. Or something like that. Oh, okay. That's 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 usually, in my opinion, a gauge of the enthusiasm of the the temp, tone and tempo of the show. If people are taking the time to dress up, spending hours, days, weeks planning all these things just so they can look great for three or four days of a convention. They're excited. Is they're it, not is doing it, it, then they're not excited about the product. But do you think it's because uh, Disney had had all that crap hanging over their head during during mm, Comic Con? No, I don't. I think I, is my my feeling is is that they they peaked out at the height of the movie hysteria has kind of passed us in the enthusiasm and I think you you can't keep that peak you All can't year? keep it well you can't keep it year after year after year after year there will be ebbs and flows in fandom and in comic books and in enthusiasm and I think I think uh, in general I think some of it's kind of run its course. All right, so John, I was talking. How long we got there? Two minutes or something? Yeah. Okay, okay, I got about a minute and 15 seconds. Let me throw this question out to you. You guys can think about it during the break that we got coming up for news. And then let's pick up the discussion. And that is what happened uh, to Alex Jones. All right, Alex Jones, and let me, even as a conservative talk show host, and I know Alex, okay, I've I've been at many a thing where Alex has, and Alex is about Alex and he takes a little tiny seed of truth and he wraps it in a whole bunch of crap. All right. And bottom line is I don't like what he does. But that doesn't matter. He's got a huge following and, uh, you know, the social media people went after him. 
let's talk about what does that mean for all of us. What means it? What you know? What's it mean for you and John? Let's talk about what it means for you too. We'll come back and do that here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Right now, though, got to get the uh, the news in. Want to do that with you, and then uh, we'll find out uh, what these guys feel about all of this stuff going on with social media. I got to give Twitter their due. They didn't do it. They left. Uh, they left Jones alone. All right, here's the news. Be back in a moment. All right, back with you here on uh, the Dave Ellswick Show. And, uh, John, I understand you could hear us down the line talking there. We'll, we'll get into some of this so you can jump right in now. Let's talk about what happened to Alex Jones. There was a concerted effort by the media companies out there, the social media companies, Facebook, Google, all the rest of them. I guess uh, who else was in on it? Pinterest. No. Pinterest was yeah. in on it? Mm-hmm. I didn't know they were in on it. Was Instagram in on it? Well, they probably were since they're owned by Facebook, Correct. Right? Okay, so anyway, uh, what do you think about, let's start it off with you. What, what Does this kind of chill your blood a little bit that they're doing that? It's absolutely disconcerting. The fact that all of these companies would do this at the same time in tandem, so close to the midterm elections, it just tells me that there is an effort out there to silence dissenting voices because they don't want a repeat of 2016 where they were assured of their victory at the time. They were smug about it, and then they ended up losing things because they treated general Americans uh, so poorly. We're seeing this again, and we're seeing it with this uh, the whole blue wave talk, and now they're really reaching out to try to silence our platforms so that we can't be influencers on social media. What do you think about um, why Alex Jones? So this is the question that a friend of mine had asked. Um, whenever we think of Alex, we always think of someone who's bombastic and rather conspiratorial. But um, do you believe it's because he is like the most adamantly pro-Trump? What do you think the logistics uh, of it were? Why him as opposed to someone else like a Steven Crowder, um, a Ben Shapiro, um, a Dave Rubin? Um, why him, in your opinion? It's because he's bigger. I mean, he had 2.4 million YouTube subscribers. He gets more people watching him than watch CNN on a nightly basis. He has the voice. And, and, you know, whether you talk about his whatever issue it is of the day, he is influencing a lot more voters than everybody else. Do you think that they were thinking proactively when – because if you ask me, for example, and I think if you ask yourself, too – it just seemed like a bad idea because one of Alex Jones's talking points is kind of big government and big brother acting in concerted conspiracy against um, the little guy. And then here you have big tech essentially going after him, reinforcing his viewpoint that there is this kind of effort against him. Do you really do you think that they thought about that before they decided to go forward with this? Or do you think that they're just so daft that it just completely went over their heads? I don't know. I mean, these are these are big companies and they're not like. The legacy media; these are these are newer media people, so they're they're pretty savvy. So, um, you know, I can't speak to their long term plans because they don't inform me of them, unfortunately. Uh, but you know, it, it seemed like a bad plan in the short term because it's, it's galvanized everybody. It's got all of us out there ready to go. Um, I think what you saw in Ohio uh, this last week is indicative of that, and uh, that you know this is not going to turn out the way they want again because we're too scared of what they'll do to us if we lose and they gain control again. Yeah, that's, uh, I don't know. The whole thing is just, it's very weird. Um, do you think, if, if you were a betting man, who do you think they're going to go after next? 
geez, I don't know. So we've got, let's see, so Alex Jones is down. I mean, I, I can see Paul Joseph Watson going next uh, just because he's associated with Alex Jones. He doesn't have as big of a platform, but uh, he'll be he'll be easy easy for them to target since he's uh, already associated with the InfoWars brand. Imagine my shock. <laughs> Nobody, I got one laugh. <laughs> yeah, let me let me just throw this out to you, uh, John. It's something I talked about earlier. Was it earlier this? Yeah, earlier this week. Uh, it was on Monday. I had uh, Robert uh, Steinbach, who's a law professor, who joins me every Monday, and we were talking about this. And I I suggested that this was the left screwing the the pooch, so to speak, like the right screwed the the pooch with Flynn or with Flint. And, and with the whole thing with Hustler Magazine. And they went after him, and they, they tried to put him out of business. And all it did was make uh, Flint a bigger a bigger person uh, when it was all over with. And uh, on top of that, he beat him with the Supreme Court. Now we turn around, and we got the exact same thing, though, but it's played from the left, and they go after Alex Jones. And basically, it's for this almost the same kind of reasons and uh, they're going to lose their pants before this is all over with. What do you think? I mean, it seems like to me this time the left is going to learn a really harsh lesson. It looks like it. I, I mean, I think you have a great comparison there. And I think uh, going back to our overall, you know, cultural aspect in in the 80s and in the 70s, when we sort of had our religious right movement, you know, we were pushing against culture and culture was fighting back. And so now we've got this establishment of a secular culture that's, that's pushing against any other kind of culture, and we're fighting back. So it definitely feels like the pendulum has swung like that. Now we'll see if our government uh, had, sort of takes the same uh, tack as they did before, uh, you know, because uh, we're all kind of holding our breaths, waiting for that, and just seeing how, how that reacts when, when these legal battles play out. But uh, definitely on, in, on the cultural end, it, it's making us bigger every single time they do this. I think he's going to win very, very big. I do. I, this is what I see. I see it going to the Supreme Court, and he's going to win absolutely big. Okay, explain why you think it goes to the Supreme Court. Because the barometer for deplat for conspiring to ruin your business and deplatform your voice and your biz, or your business's voice cannot be uh, because you said something untruthful on the air. Because if that's the barometer, we're all done. Like everybody, every news outlet is done. Every left wing, every conservative news outlet, unless if that's the barometer, everybody's toast. We, it, the society, it can't function that way. I agree with Mitch, but from a different uh, perspective. I think it's going to go up to the Supreme Court because of um, a conversation that needs to happen. What is the difference between a corporation saying they can do something versus uh, First Amendment rights to free speech. The argument that people are making is that, well, they can do whatever they want because they're a private company. Mm -hmm. But as we were talking about off the air, you have this two-word phrase that makes all the difference, social media. The media portion implies that since the content, ironically, is not even generated by uh, news outlets, it's generated by everyday people, uh, we've made it where the new people (laughs) creating content for news are you and me. Um, I get my news, ironically, not from journalists, but I get it from word of mouth. Like, you know, I'll talk to Mitch and Mitch will say, hey, did you hear yesterday Alex Jones got deplatformed? Notice I did not get my news 
from Fox. I got it from Mitch because he's on social media. So I think that that's one of those conversations that has to happen. I, I think that if it goes up to the Supreme Court, they're going to say that if you are in the business of social media – you're in this weird predicament where you're not actually just a corporation. Uh, you're going to let voices speak, and you can't just uh, deplatform someone because you don't like what they have to say. Uh, what do you think about that, John? Yeah, I, I, social media is is really different than anything else, and most states have their own rules on this. That, that some go further than others. I'm, I'm actually fighting a battle myself because I've been deplatformed by a local convention. It's actually much bigger convention called the World Science Fiction Convention. Um, they deplatformed me and told me I'm not allowed to attend because they don't like my voice. And uh, there's actually laws in California against this where they where uh, a public space like a, a convention with tickets open to the public or a shopping center, those places you're protected, especially in the realm of political speech. They're actually designed these laws that they that they uh, that protesters are protected. So you can go to a shopping center like, you know, or whatever and have somebody picketing out in front of the shopping center. This is the same thing. The social media landscape is the new town square where we're meeting to exchange ideas uh, like these sort of public shopping centers of the past. Well, what about like Robert uh, Steinbach, my uh, legal beagle friend that's on with me on Monday, says that he thinks the battle's going to come down that they're not like a traditional business, that they're more like a utility. And utilities are controlled. And he thinks that that will be the basis and, and will be the end result of all of this. I think that's a, a very likely thing. Um, the thing is you can't, you can't just start a business to compete with YouTube because YouTube requires so much data, so much background infrastructure – that it actually operates at a loss for for Google. So if, if a company like Google can't actually make money off of that thing, uh, a private individual trying to start something like that could never do it. And you see this because, I mean, if you look at Google's bottom line, I mean, they are heavily, heavily subsidized by the government also. They get a lot of perks that other businesses don't. They get tax benefits that other businesses don't. So the government's very involved in, in Google and, and keeping them uh, afloat. So I, I think I think there's a good argument there too. All right. So how long does it take before the before Jones says that he's going to sue? I think he already has, hasn't he? Has he already said he's going to sue? I hadn't heard that yet. That wouldn't surprise no, I, me. Just just a rumor on my end, but I but I seem to remember seeing something about that. Okay. How long before you yeah. sue? <laughs> <laughs> I already have. Oh, okay. <laughs> How do you get to that? How's bring that, that up. How's that going, by the way? Um, it's, they're, they're stalling things out. So so what, what they're making a mistake with is they think that they can let the convention go, kind of dissolve their entity, and it goes away. But when it's a civil rights case, which this is, um, it's going. It, all of them are personally liable. So all they're doing is removing my ability to settle with them, which would be I just want an apology for – the libelous things they wrote about me, and I just want to be able to attend the convention as a professional science fiction writer, and uh, you know, and just have everybody get along. That's that's all I wanted. But these people refuse to talk, and so uh, we'll we'll see how it goes. Pretty wow. cool. That's pretty cool. There's a lot of things I don't think people realize, and again, it's more because uh, you know Fox and a lot of the conservative media. Although I, I got to say I'm, I'm tipping my hat to the Federalists that, and and they're one of the last magazines I would thought thought of 
of getting this to be john do you not feel that way it's kind of interesting that federalists which is kind of when i look into the world of conservative writing and stuff kind of the old stogie uh guys and uh they get it some people get it there that's pretty cool as far as i'm concerned i think the federalist is wonderful and uh, there's, there's nothing older <laughs> you're going to get a bonus for this man <laughs> they're, they're, I mean, they're great though i mean seriously and and there there is one other outlet i want to shout out uh, pj media is another one that's doing it. yeah yeah megan yeah. fox is, is the writer there and she's fantastic also How's Reason doing? Is Reason getting a hold of you and asking for you to write anything? I've never heard from them yet, so I, I, I've, I'd like to write for anybody, of course. Yeah. Uh, the more more income streams I get, the better. But, uh, yeah, they, they haven't, I haven't heard from them. Uh, I was writing for Milo Yiannopoulos' Dangerous for a while. Yeah. Um, but that, that kind of uh, that site, that site kind of didn't take off the way he hoped, I think. Um, so that, that uh, dried up pretty quickly. But, uh, yeah, there's not a lot of outlets out there, and uh, I'm, I'm encouraging all conservative media out there to change that. My, my articles are going number one, number four. I mean, they're all in the top five articles of The Federalist, and they have nothing to do with mainstream politics. So if they're getting that kind of traction based on these articles, people want to read about this. Yeah, but here's the key. It does have to do about politics. That's the key. It, it, it is about politics. Bingo. I've, I know John and I have been on that same page because we have some people who are like, well, I like comics, but we need to take politics out of it. You know, don't talk about this and that. And it's like, yeah, I, I completely see what you mean, but whether you like it or not, it is a political battle. Even something uh, that has no references to Trump or Democrats or Republicans in it, by nature of you pr- putting out a book that is apolitical, that is a political statement because you're fighting against political ideologues. Uh, and so I do believe that that's important to fighting the culture war. Um, and part of it's just taking that stand. I've had that talk with Richard Meyer a couple times. Well, that's the other thing. You know, John is into science fiction. By far, that is an area that has had such a huge impact on politics. Yeah, it actually has. And there used to be a number of views presented. And if you look at like, the, especially if you even go back, if you go back before the hippie area era, let's, let's call it that, you'll, you'll find a lot of science fiction and fantasy had very strong family values, very strong Christian values. A lot of them even had overt references to Christianity in it, like Lord of the Rings, like C.S. Lewis's work. And if you go to the pulp writers, they kind of did the same thing. I mean, you know, John Carter, even in Edgar Rice Burroughs, you know, references being a good Christian man and, and all that in the books. So it changed in the 60s to be this sort of free love sort of thing. And then that became a, uh, you know, sort of monolithic leftist institution like every other sort of media is these days and, and, and became a lot more negative. And that's, that's what we have today. Well, it'll be interesting. I'm going to be I'm going to be releasing my first overt Christian science fiction next year. We'll see how it goes. Oh, cool! Very cool. Yeah. And and the other thing that I think happened is the view of man. And I mean, uh, Christian philosophers talk about this all the time in the '60s of what happened, and, and that was they detached man from his true identity as a God made. Uh, invention, you know, I mean, God made man in his own image and and turned him and made him into, quote, the noble savage. That's a huge difference, a big difference. All right, got to get a break in. We'll come back. We'll talk further. 
uh, with John. We'll keep him for a few more moments, and then we're going to Shane's going to be here, and we'll get back into something a little bit more lighthearted for a Friday on the Dave Ellswick Show. All right, back with your final segment. Let's talk about uh, this whole Indiegogo thing because your article was about crowdfunding. And uh, Mitch has been doing crowdfunding for the Red Rooster. Mm-hmm. Tim doing crowdfunding for uh, Space Force. And then, uh, John, you're doing crowdfunding as well for Sparks, correct? Yeah, Flying Sparks is the, Flying is Sparks, the title. Right. It's kind of kind of a pun on uh, the fact that there's two characters who are uh, extreme oppositions to each other. There's a hero and a villain, and they're dating. So there's Sparks flying on that <laughs> level. Uh, and then uh, it's also their powers so she kind of flies and then he shoots sparks from his hand okay so how's it going for you great i'm at seventeen thousand dollars as of this morning uh which i appreciate everybody's kind of backed me a lot i think this is the the best selling comic out there that's not done by like a prior professional uh from like marvel or dc like you know obviously a lot of people know who mitch is because of his great artwork a lot of people know who uh, you know Chuck Dixon is from Tim's project. So mm-hmm. uh, this is this is a really great bellwether for people just getting into the industry and making good books that don't have uh, a sort of political agenda to it. it it's pretty exciting. Yeah, well, I I think it's exciting. I mean, I not nothing against Mitch, but I be honest, I didn't think hundred and forty something thousand dollars that's incredible Mitch. 145 thousand as of today yeah. we're still rolling for two more weeks yeah so. i mean it's been really really amazing yeah. and all you got to do for both of you is what indiegogo right mm-hmm. indiegogo Sla- not kickstarter <laughs> okay slash red rooster or slash trump space force trump space force what about you john where do they go for you i'm uh, i'm on uh, just flying sparks so indiegogo slash flying sparks is Indiegogo becoming the new name in, in this crowdfunding type of thing, or is it more yeah. because of you guys being in what you're into? Well, combination I, of the I, two. I, yeah, combination. Also, I, I think Indiegogo's uh, their platform has been very easy to use. They're, they were helpful to me. I uh, reached out a couple of times, and the, 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 the type of services that they offer are a little bit different from Kickstarter. Like, you have more options. You know, you can run a longer campaign, or you can leave your campaign up as a storefront uh, until you're ready to sh- for for however long you want, there's more flexibility, and now it's habitual. It's becoming habitual. People are getting used to funding these projects. They're getting used to you know thinking, well, Indiegogo is a place to go if I want uh, to pick up the hot new exciting collectible comic book out there. Yeah, that, that's how I wanted to bring that up too, because you know I'm, I'm sitting here. Josh is sitting here with us. He's a huge collector of stuff like this, and that's a big part of this, is it not? Habit. Yeah. yeah well, picking up. And going in and, you know, getting, uh, you know, John's newest uh, issue of whatever he's doing or book for you or book for Tim. You want to be first arrivals on these types of things because what's happening in comic books is a a revolution in many ways. Uh, So you want to be there. You want to be there for the history. And with with what we're doing, we're going to create products that are should have, uh, I believe, will all have cultural resonance. And you can come and pre-order them and be a first arrival. You can put it on your shelf and say, I was there when. And, you know, these are designed to be not only products that you can enjoy and you can read with uh, your family, your friends, kids or whatever, but you can also collect them. These are things that I think will have value, uh, like, like on, you know, in a collector's yeah. market. 
I'm taking that a little step further. So I, I'm doing a hardcover edition that's available in mine. And once uh, the Indiegogo is closed, I'm not going to be selling any more of the hardcover again. So I, I'm because I'm coming from a book market, right? You do your hardcovers right. first, then your soft covers after those sell out. So I'm I'm kind of running it like that. Um, so so this will be like a nice hardcover book for your bookshelf, like my novels. And then uh, after that, you can get the paperback still, but that'll be the only way you can get the hardcover. All right. Well, John, we're going to let you go. I'd like to have you back on the show at some other time, even when these guys aren't here, because we've got a lot of things to talk about. Absolutely. Anytime. Thanks a lot for having me. All right. We appreciate it again. Indiegogo slash sparks for him, right? Flying Flying sparks. Flying sparks. All right. So if you want to be, if you want to help him out, a fellow conservative, you know, libertarian, fellow conservative, I think Christian, it sounds like as Mm -hmm. well, uh, you know, get involved with him. Of course, you can help out Mitch. We've been talking about Mitch for some time now. Indiegogo slash Red Rooster. Tim Lim, of course, as well. Indiegogo slash Trump uh, Space Force. Trump Space Force, yeah. And we'll, I promise I'll ask uh, Nick this Wednesday when I have uh, Donald Trump Jr. on to, about uh, your your uh, comic. Yeah, and I'll send you the, the picture, too, of the retweet. Okay. I'm going to save that on my phone for posterity. That's pretty cool. All right, so... You guys are sticking around, right? Yeah. Okay, we'll talk. Now we'll get into talking about what's out there and what's coming up and what's coming up in the comic books. Josh is going to be here. Shane Stacks will be joining us in just a few moments. But right now we got the news. Let's do that. And then we'll come back and finish that up for a week here on the Dave Ellswick Show. All right, final hour. Thank you for being here at the Dave Ellswick Show on a Friday edition. Of course, this is a geek hour, just to let you know. And uh, I've got some major geeks here. I've got Tim Lim, Dr. Tim Lim. Yo. Let me say again, Dr. Tim Lim. Geeks can be doctors, The doctor of love. Uh (laughs) He is here with us. Of course, uh, Trump's Space Force is uh, his newest uh, book that's going to become. Do you got a date for publishing yet? Yeah, we're planning on having it uh, in people's hands by Christmas. So we'll go into publication in November for printing and stuff, shipping out. Um, if you go to the website, the most popular thing that we have right now is you can have the Make Space Great Again hat uh, that comes comboed with the book. So that's I saw our, that uh, picture today on uh, Make yeah, Space on Great Again. Make Space Great Again, yeah. All right, so he's talking about that page is Indiegogo.com slash Trump Space Force. Trump Space Force. Space Force. You can get yourself. Space Force. You can do that. And then Mitch Breitweiser is here who, uh, of course, uh, been with uh, Marvel before, did Captain America, mm-hmm. is the man whose brain spawned the way Drax should look like, as mm-hmm. you saw him on the big screen. He got $50 for that. Good for him. <laughs> he got paid a little bit of money for well, it. Well, Mitch is a Marvel on his own now. Yeah, now yes, he's making he it on his own. Doesn't need he's that going Drax do it money. on his own. Did you uh, see he, Batista's like... Oh, he's going nuts. We're getting rid of gun. I'm out of here. You know what he's doing? That's good. You you shoot yourself in the head. Yeah. I mean, seriously, that's the way you kill your career. Yeah, they. I think they've stepped in a little bit with a gun. Anyway, you were you were re-introing Mitch. Yeah, and I was going to Indiegogo.com slash Red Rooster. You want to go there? He's got some. He's got cool stuff as well. I gotta get me one of those hats, man. Uh, what do they look like this time? Are they red? They're red. They're actually the same caps that Trump uses. Okay. We actually found the guy oh. who who uses them with the white. Is the it white? white? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. The only thing difference instead of America, it says space. Space. Okay. Yeah. Good. Yeah. I got to get one of those. That means I got to join your your Indiegogo thing. I'll get that going on. 
Josh is here. I just call him Josh, man. Josh Huffington is here. He is our resident. I will go to every Comic-Con if you'll help me get there and get behind the scenes. And I've helped him do that. So he gets to go and, and gets to talk to the people as a real reporter. It's kind of cool, ain't it? Yeah, I get to be there on the scene. Yeah. Right where all the action is. Yeah. Pull yourself, move. you got to lean over to the microphone when you there talk. There we go. There, we're, now we're I can a, hear we're you. A microphone duet. And today. then Shane is here. Shane Stack. Shane plays radio. Hello. Saturdays. Yes, 1, one o'clock. o'clock. That's right. Right every, here. Every Saturday, 1 o'clock, right here at 101.1 FM, the answer. That is true. I, got, I have to ask Heffy, did Conan twist your nipple this year or not? No, I actually didn't get tickets to Conan this year, and then we didn't feel like camping for it, so it's kind of sad that we missed out on Conan. Because folks may or may not know that Conan O'Brien has tweaked Heffy's nipple during a Conan show. Yes. I gave him a breast massage. Yes. Yeah. And we'll just, this is a somewhat family-friendly show, so we'll just... It isn't what you just visualized. Let me just say that yeah. right now. It was on television. It yeah. was on stage. It was a it joke. It was sporadic. It was like... Uh, it was oh spon- God, oh it was spontaneous. This just happened. This just happened. It's yeah. sweet. Heffy's got video and everything. Yeah. yeah. You still do you still got that? Yeah, I got it. Okay, we I'm going to have you send that to Elizabeth so we can put it the next time we'll download it into the system. Mitch's and wife. We, and we can put it on no, Facebook sorry. Live. <laughs> All right, the social media man. It's like for, why am I sending this to Mitch's wife? For the answer. <laughs> uh, All right. Dave, if you got, I did want to say, Dave, if you don't mind, I, I was listening on the way in. That was a fascinating interview with uh, John. I'm, I'm sorry that I missed him. Maybe I can talk to him another time. Uh, but, you know, he said, hey, when Shane here gets here, we're, we're going to lighten it up, which is fine. Uh, but I did want to uh, say a couple of things that occurred to me while I was listening to that. One, uh, you know, he was talking about the uh, people say, oh, we don't want politics in comics uh, yeah, right. I mean, it's already in there, and and so a lot, a lot of what's happening <laughs> that's is that's why they're doing what they're yeah, doing. Yeah, is a response, and, yeah. and and what perfectly sums it up. I've got a good. I mean, I'm very good friends uh, with this guy. Uh, we both love comic books, and we were talking at work one day, and he said, "You know what? I'm just because I had mentioned a couple of things about I don't even know what it was, uh, and he was like, I'm so sick of of everything having to be political." And this and that and the other and da 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 and I went yeah you know what me too right because he was saying it like like I was bringing up the political stuff right. so the so the point is a lot of what's happening now quote unquote hashtags comicsgate and all that it's a reaction it's not a first strike it's it's a total reaction but a lot of people don't realize that uh, it's people not letting things go right like we see what's happening here. And and we're going to try. They're trying to, to save. Comics. Right, we're trying to counter program or or just not. You know, like John said in the, uh, b- before the break, and and Mitch is trying to do, and and Richard Meyer and 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 Tim, Tim. Lim and Mark Pellegrini. Just tell fun stories that don't have stuff in them. You know? I, I don't so. think for me personally, I think everybody's got a little bit different motivation, right. and everybody's got a little bit of a different audience and perspective. But for me, it was noticing that there's. Uh, Something in the market that wasn't being filled. There was right. a void in the marketplace, a, a, a customer that wasn't being served, uh, and issues internally and business-wise. Much, uh, not even talking about socially even or politically. Within the business about professionalism and logistics and distribution, there's so many problems within the comic book business that just 
going out on your own makes way more sense now. It makes right. way more sense. You you can connect with your audience one on one. It's more of a hustle, but it worked for Red Rooster. Uh, you know, as our campaign uh, proves, right? And and I think we're proving every day that uh, it was a business issue, a professionalism issue, a service issue. This book, the 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 comic book industry was not serving. It's customers, right? There's cus- yeah. There's customers like literally like if you make if you make this, I will buy it. But they're just either they're not going to make it or they're not going to distribute it or whatever. Uh, but it, you know, you were talking about distribution, and and I won't repeat the rumor here so that it doesn't spread. Uh, but when Uncle Ethan came into town recently, I think I texted you some of the rumors I was hearing. <laughs> I'm not I'm not going to repeat them here because I don't even want them to accidentally. Spread further, but oh my gosh. Uh, the other thing that I wanted to say, Dave, uh, you know, I wanted to echo John's point. Um, what's his full name? John uh, Della Rose. John Della Rose. Yeah. Uh, and I want to, and I'm going to go and and support his Indiegogo, the the Flying Sparks. But uh, you know, he was talking about uh, the Christianity in our fiction and that sort yep. of thing. And I, the perfect example of that that I can think of recently is when they made the Wrinkle in Time movie, they removed... Jesus. All, well, not, not not only that, but in the book. In the book version, uh, the characters drew wisdom and strength to go on through specific Bible verses. And they just completely pulled all that out for the movie because they don't want to quote-unquote offend anybody. But you're gutting the heart of the book when you do that. See, the so. only way you 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 offend somebody, though, is by saying the name Jesus or use Bible verses in it. If they had put something from the Quran in it, probably... Oh, it would have been celebrated. You know, yeah, I'm yeah. just saying. How inclusive. I just... Yeah. What I, I like I'll is... I'll just leave that where it yeah. might be. What I think has been really cool is uh, Shane has been more and more engaging with the Comics Gate community on, like, Twitter, and he sees how fun it is. We're, like, a good group of guys. Yeah. I mean... Shane just jumps into a lot of these like YouTube streams and just gets yeah, along with everyone. Yeah, it's not you know. I mean, the perception outside of it is that it's a bunch of whatever, bigots. But yeah, it's just it's just average people that genuinely just want to, uh, to 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 have a good time and earn a living making good comics. Well, there are, if you get a bunch of creative people together, it's a little weird. I'm just going to tell you right now, it's oh, going to yeah. get a little bit weird <laughs> because they're creative people. You get me with these guys away from the mic, I get kind of weird. <laughs> I get, I get, you know, there's things that I like that I don't talk about on the air. Except I mean, Rampage. You know, yeah. I talk about Rampage. I like I Rampage. Wanna see Ram- I want to see Rampage. It's out. I want to see Skyscraper, and I want to see The Meg. I'm not Oh, The Meg's great, buddy. You're yeah. going to love The Meg. I, I enjoyed it. Three? Saw it last night. Yeah. Rampage was good. It was fun. I have a minor spoiler on The Meg. I heard that the dog survives. Oh, shh. Sorry, I'm not supposed to say that. I'm man. sorry. Maybe there's two dogs. Maybe yeah, one dog no, dies. there's only one Piper. Come on, man. <laughs> Did you hear the weird theory that Stephen King's son has about Jaws? Have y'all seen this? No. There is a unsolved murder. Oh yeah, they said a murder. Yeah, yeah I, that, I saw something about. Yeah, that. and and Stephen King's son Joe Hill uh, thinks he may because they there's there was a body they found on the beach where they were filming Jaws about the same time, uh, and they've never been able to figure out who she is. And he thinks from seeing an extra in the movie that he's figured out who the woman is. 
Do, so just do look you up. think do you think it was the woman that was killed at the very beginning by the shark? No, we all know who that is. <laughs> no, I think no. <laughs> no. Well, we all know that really Bruce did it, right? Because isn't that the name of the shark? That's the Bruce? name of it. Yeah, Bruce, Bruce did it. Yeah, Bruce did it. But no, seriously. He now, Mitch, we haven't lost something. you here, have we? No, no, no. I'm yeah. listening. You are. You he's do. watching the money roll. I am. Yeah. <laughs> well, the Dave Ellswick audience shows up. They show up big. So, oh, yeah. You've got power and influence, Dave. Try. I Well, I just tell people things. But he couldn't yeah, give yeah, me I mean, a rooster costume. I mean, we all. Yeah. I, I expected you Here's to walk in with a rooster costume. I can change. tell you of the, the other main talk show that's going on right now on radio. He never touches a subject like we talk on this show, and no. I believe that is the really important subjects that get missed. Yeah, not just that, but um, so we were talking about, about this off the air about how. Uh, the service down in South Arkansas is not that great. So I was dri- driving up from Pine Bluff, and I had no choice but to listen to this other uh, uh, station. And it was literally the same topic for about two hours. Oh, yeah. And uh, you're more like a variety show. Even if you have the same guests on, it's a different topic every single time there's a break. I know I don't want to listen to the same thing two hours. Just listen to it over and over and, and drone on about it. I don't. Some know. people do, but that's not the audience that you're. Going that's to not what I'm so. shooting for. Yeah, but, and I'm not shoot, And I and I try to elevate the conversation a little bit. I mean, how many people talk philosophy on a talk show like this? Very few people do, and it's important to talk about it because there's things that are be art communicates things. Mm-hmm. I agree with that. I mean that. You go see a movie, it's communicating. There's one line in uh, the Meg, and I looked at my wife and I said, that's what they're trying to communicate. Mm-hmm. And, the, and the line is a simple one. Ohana means family? No, no. <laughs> no, he looked out. Uh, the scientist says, he says, uh, it's a good day for science, but a bad day for science. He says, we do like all humans do. We discover and then we destroy mm-hmm. that's the theme stated right there you there. go that's the all theme. right i mean that that's what they're well, trying to teach you well here's what i want to know as a secondary theme at any point in the movie does jason stethem uh it does his heart stop and so he hooks up a car battery to his nipples no there is with uh charging cables that is and my then, all-time favorite and then, jason movie. and then fights the crank, shark crank. hand-to-hand gotta does love that, does crank. That happen? No, and there's no women starting as hard either. Okay. Well, I've heard. I have a, a buddy of mine was staying at a hotel one time, and they just happened to be filming a movie, like, right there. And he saw Jason Stethem and said, that guy's, like, short. Like, yeah, he is. Like, really short. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. I saw a picture of him next to a Schwarzenegger the other day, and he still looks small compared to, <laughs> compared to Schwarzenegger. Schwarzenegger's a huge – and he looks short – when he's next to Stallone, too. Mm-hmm. Both of those guys are massive dudes. All right, we'll come back. Let's talk about some movies that are coming up. Uh, let's talk about what's going on with comics. There's new comics that are coming up, I'm sure. These guys would know more about that than I do. But uh, We'll come back and talk here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Stain, Shane Stacks is here. Stain Shacks. Sorry. Shane Stacks. Well, you ta- you're the one talking about toilet tissue <laughs> earlier. Uh, okay. So we got a lot of things to talk about. Hey, don't forget there are 567 different ways to claim your Social Security benefits. 
2,728 rules in the Social Security Handbook, and the Social Security Administration is actually forbidden from helping you. Keep that, um, keep that in mind. No wonder as much as uh, $10 billion in benefits go unclaimed every year. Learn how you could wring every nickel out of your Social Security benefits in the up-to-date 2018 Guide to Social Security. It's from David Lucas, host of the David Lucas Show. You hear 101.1 FM, The Answer, 10 o'clock, 3 o'clock on Saturday. To get your free 2018 Guide to Social Security, be one of the first 10 callers right now at 501-653-6690. Call 501-653-6690 or visit davidlucasfinancial.com. All right, back with you, Dave Ellswick Show, Friday edition of the show. Got about five minutes till we got our next news break. We got Mitch here. We've got Tim. I don't have to say these last name guys' names all the time. You know who they are. Mitch, Tim, Josh, and Shane are all here in the studio. Uh, let's talk about a movie that's coming up next weekend. It's Mile 22. Looks pretty good. Have you seen the trailer for this, Tim? Yeah, it has a guy from Ong Bak, Tony, Tony, I don't know what his last name is, but it's him and Mark Wahlberg. Well, it's also got uh, Ma- uh, Maggie in it. Oh, yeah. From The Walking mm-hmm. Dead. It's yeah. also got Ronda Rousey. Ronda Rousey. She's in it as well. I still don't know the plot. I've seen three trailers okay, it's for very it. easy. I'm going to tell you what the plot is. The plot is that this is a government organization by the CIA. They're so secret they don't even know they belong to it. I'm just kidding. But uh, they are bringing a guy that is a high-value target that they have caught. And they're supposed to bring him to this airport to ship him back to be interrogated. And the thing they're doing is they're taking him to this airport which is 22 miles away and that's why the movie is called mile 22 so that's what it's about okay. it, it just looks like non-stop action to me so it should be fun did you see mission impossible oh god that was a good movie it was okay it was a fun movie better I than mean, the mag uh oh yes <laughs> that was a great that mission impossible impossible movie was great the first stunt they did, and it blew my mind, because usually they wait for the big stunt that Cruz does in the movie to put it, like, in the middle of the movie. It's almost at the very beginning, and he uh, he does a halo jump from 26,000 feet. And that's him. That's not some actor doing him. That is him. He did it, like, 12 times. Yeah, his insurance must have been out the wazoo. <laughs> I, uh, yeah, I'm sure it was. And you can see where he breaks his ankle. Oh, wow. When he's jumping off the building. Because uh, he's not limping until right after that, and so they left it in there. I thought that was kind of cool as well. But it's a good movie. Yeah, I've got, I've got Superman's actually, not bad either in there. Oh uh, yeah, now I got to say that I haven't seen the movie yet, but the uh, from the trailers that that bathroom fight scene looks pretty intense. <sighs> yeah, it's a good movie. I'm just saying, yeah. it's a good well, movie. I, the the Mission Impossible movies are are just good fun movies you know and i've got you know a lot of people are down on tom cruise he's a great actor and him doing all those stunts is crazy he does all his own stunts i got you know he you may know how be, old he is he may be kooky in real life but he's a good actor he's 56 uh, yeah so mm-hmm. and he's out there doing it all you know i gotta give him respect <laughs> he's 56 yeah. years old yeah Man, he's they're already planning the next one wow yep. they're putting it together and it takes two years to get them put together so he'll be 58 the next time now do we have uh because uh, several of the movies have had Simon Pegg. Yeah, he's in it. And then they've had... Uh, Ving Rhames. Ving Rhames. He's in oh, it. 
Okay, and I'm he's got to... uh, he's got the British girl back in it this time too. Okay, so she's back in it, uh, and uh, I can't. I won't give a plot point away. I'm just glad that I don't have to see this particular actor again in a Mission Impossible. Movie. I have a question for Mitch. So talking about the Red Rooster, which if you're listening is his Indiegogo campaign project. Mitch, if you were casting an actor That's... for the Red Rooster. Who Thank do you, you have in mind? I had that in mind. I to did ask too. Him today. <laughs> well, mm. I, I don't want to say anything, but he knows I'm what he looks like under the mask. But well, we don't. Yeah, they so. can. They can, pre- co- they can. They can CGI my chin. They can. Co- <laughs> they can cover up. They can cover up that gray. Could they? Yeah. Yeah. Kirk Douglas in his prom. In his prom. Well, yeah. That's a great fit. Yeah. I think, yeah, that's the, that's who I see. That's the voice I hear. It's kind of an everyman, but like an exceptional everyman. What about, distinguished as well as a little rough. What about the strong boy? Is it strong boy? Strong boy Thurman. So he's going to be a little bigger guy. So he needs, he's, I don't know who would play him. Uh, what about what now? About, like, what about like a really year? buff Marlon Brando? Yeah. Well, he, you know, he's got to be yeah. taller and okay. bigger. Like, like a, he's like a, I don't know. Uh, you almost, yeah, I have no idea. I have no idea who would, who would play him right now. Uh, out of current actors, I don't. I don't have it pegged down. Well, if Kurt, Hollywood made it, now, because I don't. Maybe. I don't have to. You know, right? I can. Yeah. I, I'm the artist creator. I can pick art. Well, uh, actors from the past or the, or the present to be inspired by. All right, we gotta wait until we come back. I, then you can throw in what, I don't even know what you I want on the chain. But uh, we'll talk further about that because we can ask who should play uh, the rabbit part in your movie. Yeah. Or, right, or we'll, Trump in Trump Space Force. We'll do that in just a moment here on Dave Ellswick Show. The scenes lingo for you. Here we go. Means that we're coming back. <laughs> Strangely <laughs> enough. All right. So, Josh, what movie are you excited about that hasn't come out yet? Is Godzilla too too far away to say? Yes. Okay. Darn. This year. Um, I can't really think of much else that's coming off the top of my head. Uh, Aquaman? Aquaman. Eh. No. <laughs> There's that sound again, Josh. Eh. <laughs> what is it about Aquaman that doesn't uh, blow up your dress? Uh, I don't know. It's just... <laughs> That's an image I didn't need painting for me, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I'm just... I guess after Justice League, and I'm just... It's just so... Just everything that was rushed. I mean, I would have rather an Aquaman before Justice League, and now we're getting Justice League... And then Aquaman, I'm just, I'm just not. It's, I see it as one of those movies that but I don't. Doing that with the Flash too. Yeah, he comes out next year. I thought he already came out. No, 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 no. Ooh, not, <laughs> with, not, not with Ezra Miller. But knows. um, uh, I mean, uh, it's just I, I see it as one of those movies I could go wait and see it on Tuesday when it's cheap, and not have to go see it opening weekend or the Thursday night it premieres like a Marvel movie. What does that mean? Are you saying that? Marvel movies are like you got to see it opening night. Yes, I haven't and, even and seen Ant Man and the and Wasp. It's tradition. Ant Man and the Wasp is great. It's a fun movie. I want to see it. I just haven't had time. I mean, it's yeah. a fun. It's just a fun movie. You know? and, it, and it's one of those things that reminds me that Michelle Pfeiffer is one of my favorite people ever. No, she's a great actress. No doubt about that. And she's pretty important in this movie. Yeah. She's no, more important than I thought no she was. There's no doubt about that either, Tom. <laughs> <She's>, <laughs> he, he said she's pretty. She's he said she's pretty, and I was like, I agree with you. Important in this movie, I guess I agree with you. The yeah, one too. We can he have hasn't both. seen it yet. She's pretty. She's pretty have, important. Have you seen it yet? No, Tom, uh-uh. you haven't seen it. It's no. okay. It's it's a fun fun enough movie. There's a deluge of these Marvel movies. I just can't keep up. I just wait for them to come up on Netflix or you whatever. Know, I I probably will go see Aquaman. You know, I've. I think Momoa will do a good job of delivering the part. 
some of the things I've seen from the movie all right already looks good. I'll tell you here in the next few weeks the movie that I'm looking forward to because ever since she had her her time with uh, what's his name that plays Batman now who's playing Batman right now Ben Affleck Ben Affleck, ben Affleck yeah Jennifer Garner's career went into to- went in the toilet yeah and so I think she's going to relaunch here in September when this, this new movie Peppermint. Oh, I haven't even heard of that. Oh, yeah. I'm not even familiar with it. It looks good. She, her her family is killed. It sounds like The Punisher meets John Wick. Oh, I like that. That sounds cool. With a female being the John Wick. Here's what happened. Her husband and her child is killed. She wakes up from a coma like a year later, finds out about it. The killers get off. She goes into seclusion for like two or three years and trains herself to be a mass um, a master assassin and comes back to wreak havoc on the police who were bad guys on the bad guys themselves and on the mafia it looks awesome it look here's what it looks like it looks like alias you remember alias on tv mm-hmm. oh, it yeah. look that that made her big that was the show that made her big it looks like she's getting back to those roots because of that show, that's why they couldn't call the Jessica Jones show Alias. Because that's what the Jessica Jones comic was called. Oh, was it? Okay. Yeah, it was called Alias. I'm just telling you, man, it looks good. She looks in prime. She she got herself in really good shape and stuff. She looks she looks like Electra. Electra. <laughs> she looks like Electra ready to really kick Buta. Good for her. So that's good. I hope it reignites her career. I think she's a, a legitimate actress out there. She just got with the wrong guy. The, the movie I'm looking forward to is nowhere near as violent. I want to see the Mary Poppins movie. Oh, dude, that's my number one movie Okay, from this year that I t- – when Shane brings me on every year and asks me my top five, that was my number one movie. Number one movie is Mary Poppins. I cannot wait for Mary Poppins' return. Number two was The Meg. No, number two no, was not The Meg. The Meg didn't make the list. What was, what was my number two movie? It was right, Oh, it was The Incredibles 2. I have I've got I actually have the list in my backpack yeah, because yeah. what I like to do every time we do that show is at the beginning of the show say here is our top five for last year and then how did they do and what did I say I said Incredibles two was going to be a massive box office yeah, hit it was very good yeah I, f- I figured out my movies now next month is Predator yeah that's coming out and in October is Venom yeah you know here's my thing about Predator. You, you guys are, you've all, everybody here has seen the original Predator, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. Get yeah. to the chopper. I don't have time to, I don't have time to bleed. Okay. All of that. Uh, this new one is kind of weird because I'm hearing there's Predators driving around in tanks. Hmm. I didn't know about that. There's a 10 foot Predator. Who's That's how the Predator, the predator Wow. <laughs> did, that? did you do that? That was creepy. That? that was amazing. <laughs> And now you've got to do a digitized version of Dave laughing because they always think. (laughs) Anyway, want some candy? Yeah, (laughs) just kind of. It's it. I I'm kind of burned out on the whole predator thing. You know, they they screwed it up when they they went at it was Predator and Alien. Those Mm -hmm. movies should have been awesome, and they were absolutely. You know where they messed up? They didn't make it rated R. That's probably part of it. Yeah, you know, to be honest, it was crap. And I, I was you know, Turtle Tub, the guy who directed uh, Meg, said that they will not release a director's cut which has more violence in it because they didn't do all the extra violent stuff while they were putting the 
movie together, which is a bummer because I'm just telling you, there have been a lot of chum in the water. <laughs> a lot of chum Lee in the water. <laughs> yeah, there you go. SpongeBob would have been upset. Anyway. Hey, speaking of SpongeBob, you know, Arkansas Comic Con is coming up. When yeah, I'll be there. coming. And, uh, September 8th. He, yeah. And here's the crazy mm-hmm. part I never knew that the guy that voices Squidward on SpongeBob voiced like hundreds of everything else. He's from Little Rock. Really? Yeah. I never realized that until I read his bio. I'm like, I never realized he was from Little Rock. See, I. Yeah, same here. I I like like, bringing all these people on from Central Arkansas because I just want to disprove to everybody that there's, like, no talent around here. There's tons of talent in in Arkansas. That's one of Mitch's themes for what he's doing. Yeah. Yeah, he he attended Central, and uh, he went to ASU, and he worked worked at uh, Jonesboro ABC up there. No, really? For all those years before he— Is that KATV? Is that— that's in Little Rock. Okay. What's his? No, it's K A I T. Yeah. yeah. What's What's the guy's name? Roger Bumpus. He's got a He's got a really impressive um, biography as far as voice acting goes. Mm-hmm. The other really guy who's going to be there, Joe Bob Briggs. Joe Bob's coming. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. He's the He's the main guy that's coming. But here's the question: Will there be multiple aardvarking? <laughs> <laughs> did you ever Did you ever used to read his column? Oh yeah. yes, yeah. absolutely. They got a huge. Guest list coming. Yeah. yeah. You know, I mean, we're talking, you know, you know, the drive-in movie column. I, I love Monster Joe Vision. Yeah. In fact, I was just talking the other day, Dave, that uh, I still want to do the Dave and Shane's mo- movie madness. I do, too. I would do that in a what, would, flip it what, heartbeat. Would you guys watch us on mm-hmm. a Saturday night late with a real old, funky horror movie from Universal and talking about it? Maybe. And doing yeah. kind of crazy wise. stuff. We could crack yeah. wise. I, would, I, I wouldn't movie. watch it, but I think Elizabeth would watch it. I loved it. She likes Spengoolie <laughs> and all that stuff. I'm sure she'd like anything that you do, Dave. I, I just like that kind of stuff. I love stuff. that stuff, man. We're, yeah, we got a mutual yeah. fan club going. Uh, so you thinking about doing this like on the radio, or how do you do no, that? No, no, it'd, it'd be, be on TV. It'd oh, have on to be TV. On television. You oh, know how, like, so you if you're these... listening on the local stations, we want to do this like at midnight till 2 o'clock in the morning. It'd be fun. Like, so... It, that's the Spengoolie kind of feel. There's like 60s, 70s, and 80s. They used to do this a lot where you'd have a local person. And Elvira got yeah, we nationwide. Need, yeah, we, right. we need but, to get yeah. you just a female. We need, yeah, I was just going to say we needed. I am not wearing a wig. We well, need I to think get, between the two of you, <laughs> you might could cobble something together. <laughs> <laughs> you know, some, We need an Elvira kind of lookalike. But I just us. love that where you, like, you cut to a commercial break. And the and the host make fun of the movie and and sure. trivia about the movie and it, it would it's be just fun. it would mm-hmm. be even more low key than than uh, you know three thousand you know the theater thing what was mystery that science yeah. theater mystery science theater see I love that because how many people that is nothing more than what I did when I was in fraternity mm-hmm. yeah, just, and and yeah. everybody was all smoked up and we're sitting and watching television late and making just really ridiculous. Turn the sound down and do the dialogue. Well, those hey. guys still do it. Uh, they have Fathom events four times a year yeah. where it's simulcast. Wouldn't that be cool to bring one yeah. of those here and, and do it fun. into Robinson? Yeah. That'd be cool. Be Mark Pellegrini just texted me, and he said yeah. he'd be up for that. Tell Dave. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> it would be good. It would I be would, fun. I would do that in a flippant heartbeat. All right. You can bring on guests. Well, we got to find out. I'll just call over and see if anybody's interested. Dave and Shane's Movie Madness. Yeah. Just call it Movie Madness. DNS. DNS? Yeah, something like that. All right. S&D. I don't I'm, know. I'm there. We'll talk about it. And then we see we, we could bring in 
special guests like Mitch and Tim and Josh. Put Josh in a tutu. Mm-hmm. Bring him on stage. Mark. Anyway. But we can't show good movies. They have to be cheesy or Dude, I am the I am the man when it comes to bad. All right. You know? I'm there. You know, attack, we can do it in lawn attack of the like, killer shrews. I'm there. And like when Joe Bob does his, he, he had lawn chairs. I, w- I would totally do lawn chairs to honor Joe Bob. That'd be kind of cool. I would do it. Maybe join us on the first one. If we were lucky. Just I'm going to see if we can get him on the air when he's in here. September 7th, you say, huh? September 8th, yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, they, do do have a good, they do have a good guest list. Yeah, talk to Jenner Akbar and Greedo, one okay. of the Jasons from Friday the 13th. Okay. Super Mario. Super Mario's coming. Okay. Super Mario, yeah. Sean Patrick Flannery. Yeah, what did he do? I was trying to remember who uh, he Boondock was. Boondock Saints. Yes, I, I know what it is. It's one of my favorite <laughs> movies, Boondock Saints. Oh, look, Saints, there's man. a shocker. They got a Power Ranger. Oh, that's, that, yeah. that's that, they've gotten big again. All right, we're gonna oh, take a break. Like All the, the cons. That's like I know, the Power Ranger to get. Well, what I was saying is, like the past few I've years, lost every control con of has the a Power Ranger. That's yeah. every convention, but not yeah. everybody gets well, him. Well, that's what happens when he's, when Shane starts to talk about Power Rangers. Yeah. You, you lose track of everything. What happened? You just took over the show yeah. about, with Power Rangers. Oh, did I? Yeah. And right. the, the ironic thing is, yeah. I never even watched Power Rangers. Well, yeah. your enthusiasm came the through. Power. They're about to have their 25th anniversary episode. I see. I've never seen an episode, but I get why they're. Uh, a, mar- a powerful marketing force. I mean, it's really it resonates with young boys. Like my, I have uh, some little nephews. One of them's five. <laughs> he loves the Power Rangers, Power Rangers and dinosaurs. That's all. Why? That's his whole life because they're color coded. It's easy. You can identify them quickly. So if you've got a developing mind, they resonate with you. And they've got these big, colorful villains and these action sequences that are really bombastic. And, and they go bouncing all over the screen. And they're from Japan. Got some so candy in yeah. my pocket. <laughs> they're from Japan, and they have giant robots. Now, yeah. See, I thought that the Power Rangers actually weren't from Japan. I thought they wanted to make a show that seemed like it. Was no, it, they start no, no, they started. All Japanese footage, all that stock footage. Oh, okay. I thought yeah. that it was, it was yeah. like supposed yeah. to be like a Japanese. Like most, of that, most of that footage, you, like the real grainy footage, that's from Japan. Like and uh, when they have their helmets from. off, that's um, just about all the American footage there is okay. of them fighting. That's why there's some scenes where the Pink Ranger, it's actually a dude. Like wearing the costume, <laughs> and the and the original, like the original Yellow Ranger too, was a, is a guy. Well, that huh. wouldn't be yeah, a they problem now. Exactly. <laughs> That's saying. why if you don't see, you know, a chest going on, that was you know, dude. My, him. my engineer on Saturday, Zach, he's crazy about Power Rangers. All right, yeah. let's be crazy and take a break. Uh, <laughs> got uh, the big changes are coming to an end over at Horton's Orthotics and Prosthetics. Not that they're not going to be state of the art but that they're finally moving quickly to the completion of this demo in addition that they're doing and making it into a state-of-the-art facility, the new gate room, the large new waiting room, the new mastectomy area, all of that is coming to a completion, soon to be open for you. I uh, drove by the other day. It looks uh, impressive, to say the least. It's all because Horton's prides itself on their patient relationships. They want the best for uh, their patients Help them reach the um, mobility that they want to reach uh, for their orthotics and prosthetics. They'll have six locations with the new updated facility, Little Rock, North Little Rock, Bryant, Conway, Fort Smith, and Searcy. It's Horton's Orthotics and Prosthetics, providing a lifetime of support. All right, so let's move to comics real quickly. Shane, you keep your your, uh, finger pretty close on, on comics and things that are going on. Anything new coming out that you're aware of? Well, I would say that uh, probably the biggest thing that came out the past week in mainstream comics 
most of the waves being made in comics right now are people like Mitch and Tim on Indiegogo. Yeah. But uh, in mainstream comics, uh, after three years, Marvel finally brought Fantastic Four back. So they did a Fantastic Four number one. Uh, okay, have they? Are they sticking with the canon? Yeah, they are. Is doing the that. flame and the? Yeah, and they're sticking. They're they're not they reinventing okay, them or anything good. like that. Uh, so that was that I'm was pretty big. Uh, you know, and it, it was okay. Uh, now this may be too in the weeds for some folks, but Brian Michael Bendis, who's a huge. I'm not saying he's the best writer ever, but he's he's a popular writer, one of the biggest name in mainstream comics right now. He's left Marvel and went, and he's doing Superman. Uh, which I'm hearing that the sales are not as big as DC thought they would be. Um, so that's that's kind of a couple of the bigger things that are that are going on in com- mainstream comics. That is so. But here's the ridiculous thing about uh, Fantastic Four and what Marvel does to its retailers: uh, twenty seven covers, the main cover. And then 26 variant covers for Fantastic Four number one. It's ridiculous. How can a small, like Michael Tierney, local comic book owner, or Kapow Comics, Matt and those guys over there, how do you know what to order? How do you, you know, you got that one customer that comes in and says, well, do you have variant cover number 13? No. Well, you're terrible. You know, I mean, how do you, how do you make money? So and what do they, can they buy one issue of each? Or they I, usually multiple? not. Usually they, they, and, and Mitch or Tim might have better insight than I do, but usually they kind of, you have to order all of this in order to also get these variant covers. And they'll offer incentives yeah. in ordering of these things in bulk. There'd be different types of, types of incentives for the retailers in order for Marvel to really, really it's about right. shipping units is what they want to do. Right. They need to boost their numbers. So the more units that go ship out the door, the more units are out there and can never be returned because these are non-returnable product. Right. And that's what, wow. The, yeah. yeah so it's, like, a, it's a broken model. When yeah, that is the retailers problem. are your primary customers, but the the big companies and the distributor have colluded in. I'm just going to call it collusion to uh, have them take all the risk. So you got these independent shop owners, right? That are your who don't have big businesses by and large. There are a few big ones, but not many. Um, but these are all small business owners, and they're having to take all the risk mm-hmm. and hold all the product, and so they're forced to sell other things like t-shirts and games and all this stuff it's 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 bad business i think in, in and, my opinion yeah and when you keep hearing mitch talking about he wants to revisit the distribution model that's a, you know because used to uh like when you had comics in newsstands those were returnable so oh, that, okay so but now that it's all the retail model all right i gotta that, ask you a question because sure. mm-hmm. you were out there on facebook over the weekend what was this thanos game that you were playing oh it's it's called thanos rising uh it's a new board game and i had uh there's this thing called the overstreet comic price guide and they just released the overstreet guide to collecting tabletop games and i had them on my show a few weeks back and one of the co-authors was really raving about this game uh and it's a very good game uh it's it's getting a lot of good buzz it's a board game and a lot of people like because it's got the thanos infinity war movie IP. Okay. And a lot of people are like, they could have just phoned it in and did a cash grab, but it's a very good game. Uh, I, I have to give it big props. It's a lot of fun. All right. Before we leave, let me remind you. I want you to help Mitch today. I want you to help Tim today. The way you do that is you go to Indie. That's I-N-D-I-E. See, being from Indiana, I thought it was I-N-D-Y, but that's not mm-hmm. what it is. 
I-N-D-I-E-G-O-G-O.com slash Red Rooster. And you can... <laughs> you can there's your prompt you can be with uh you can get involved with uh, this launch that's going on for mitch and uh, get some very cool stuff go take a look at it and the same thing for tim Lim. uh he's on indiegogo.com slash trumped space force correct so you can go check that out and see all the different things you can get with them do you we get have, a new hat? Did you hear about this? I did hear about it's that. It's a red Trump hat that says "Make Space Great." Again. Do we have time for like a five second shout out? Yeah, go. There's you've got a listener from Hawaii named Edwin Boyette, just because of all the comics bait comics gate coverage that you do. Mm-hmm. Really? Just wanted to give Edwin yeah, a shout you've out. You got a national. You can get a national audience through this stuff, right? There, because we're, this is a. This is an international movement in many ways, right? Because we're selling product to the UK so, and so Australia. So are you telling me we need to do this on a weekly basis? Probably, sure. yeah. Probably, yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. That's a good idea. Me. Yeah. And put it in a podcast to make people come over and listen to it? Great idea. All right. Good idea. All right. I got to get out of here. Hey, remember uh, something I always want to remind you of. Uh, God gave you a whole week of life. You got up in the morning, you opened your eyes, you had breakfast, you went to work, you had fun during the evening. You know, give him an hour this weekend, see what he might have to tell you. I'll see you on Monday at 2 o'clock here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.